Pokémon. Sundance. And then I, his I his husband's there. Clint because Clint Eastwood. There we go. I figured. I was about to make yeah, that it's joke. It's called the Meat Rack Saloon. Oh. <laughs> Hell's gay. Turns out hell is Because like they're gay, they call gay. it the Meat Rack, and also uh, the devils in hell call y'all meat bags. Oh, lol. Yeah. I love it. So it's a playoff of all that. Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. So let's. Let's do this. Let's do this. Hey, everybody. Hey. Welcome to Anyways, How's Your Sex Life? Hey, we're back. We're fucking back. We're fucking back, bitches. We're your motherfucking hosts. I'm Chana. And I'm Corey. Simone's in her private year on her heating pad right now. She is. But she's here. She's just near us, living the luxurious life of a kitty. She's being very playful today. She is. That's true. Her word of the month is salmon, to update you guys. No, salami. 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 Last month, it was spaghetti. The month before that, it was cinnamon roll. This month, it's salami. Because I went out of town for like two weeks, and now I come back, and she's no longer vegan. Yep. She's talking about salami. And if I don't know what that means, it's if you say that her key word, she just immediately meows back. Like, immediately. Yeah. Like, I can go up to her, and I'll be like, meatloaf. And she's like, whatever. I'm like, salami. She's like, meow. It has to be similar to Simone. Yeah. Yeah. Because she has to think that you're talking to her. But yeah, I tried like probably 30 or 40 S words the beginning of may i was like sandwich and she's like hmm fuck you bitch and i was like <laughs> okay i was like hmm spiders she's like no then i then cory joked and was like try salami so i tried salami as a joke and she was like meow meow and i was like fuck you cory for watching my cat <laughs> we just had like explosion yeah, sound right. effects <laughs> sorry we're drinking champagne again with ice we are we have two bottles today everybody what's yes. up so first of all we're gonna start with some announcements Yes. First announcement. Thank you for being patient while we took a week off. I had a super crazy family emergency, so I had to fly to California and deal with some not so fun shit. Um, but we're back. So thank you guys for being patient and not like immediately hating us and unfollowing us yep. and hexing us. Just we listen to it. old episodes. Yeah. And plus, we released a bonus episode last month. So it's like you practically got a full month of episodes. Yeah. Um, next announcement is we are going to be doing listener stories again at the end of this month. Yeah. So you have until May 31st to send us your story. And this could be a ghost story, a true crime story, a sex story. It could be a story like, oh, my God, my babysat, my ba- my babysitter met Jeffrey Dahmer's mother. And yeah. like just, you know, no, anything. seriously, anything like that. And just send it to us. Pretty much whatever you think that we would go like, ah, Wow, yeah. daddy, hot, spooky. Just or like, I went to this guy's house to have sex, and like halfway through it, he like laid down on the ground and then was like, kick me in the balls hard. Yeah. And that's how he got off. Or your sexual fantasies. Yeah, You're or like, your sexual oh, fantasy. My sexual fantasy is for people to dress up in a hot dog suit and squirt mustard on me. Yeah. Like, send it to us. <laughs> Please. <laughs> that's not mine. <laughs> <laughs> that was real, really specific. <laughs> and then like, you know, grab some relish and just like rub it in my Ew, titties. Ew, <laughs> relish is just, dis- I love pickles, but I do not like relish. It's uh, too... 
different, but it's not different. <laughs> it's same, same, but different. It's the same thing, but it's not. <laughs> Fuck relish. Relish, you fake bitch. You're not Fuck a pickle. Fuck you, relish. Fuck you, blueberries. Yeah, Corey does hate blueberries. <laughs> I, I, I don't dislike blueberries, but I hate blueberries. <laughs> <laughs> because people just use them to replace blackberries and raspberries. That's true, and you shit. poor bitches. Just yeah, <laughs> fucking splurge. It's the poor man's berry. Spend the extra three to five that. bucks and <laughs> get a fucking blackberry. I like, I like offended Kai when I said that. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Maybe I'll just make a blueberry pie for tomorrow. Well, I'm going to replace I all won't the, food, eat it. the blueberry pies. I refuse. Okay, next announcement. We are going to launch our Patreon next week. That is yes. our goal. Because yeah. we were supposed to do it this past week, but I was gone for half of this and, week. And it turns out it's super involved. Yeah, and like Corey couldn't do it by himself. It has We have a lot of decisions we have to yeah, make together. Yeah, I'd be making too many decisions. So I'm back. So we're going to work on the Patreon this weekend, and we're going to launch it next week. Uh-huh. There will be announcements on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, yeah. and we'll also talk about it in our next episode. So when this episode comes out, it will not be – when this episode comes out, it will not be up. But sometime between th- when this episode comes out, sometime during the r- the latter part of the week, it'll come out. Yeah. So yeah. just get ready. And then we'll announce it again for the other episodes. Just keep po- keep us posted, or we'll keep you posted on Instagram. Yeah, we and go. we'll we'll have content already on there for you. But yeah. that means we also have to like you know record more episodes basically. So oh, yeah, fuck. just bear with us. <laughs> oh fuck, damn. Okay. We have a big week ahead of us. Yes. I'm already exhausted from all the drinking. Final announcement that I'm going to jump into shout outs. So we had our $50 Amazon gift card giveaway, yeah. as you guys have all known, because I have mentioned it for like seven episodes in a row. And it's been <laughs> so annoying <laughs> for me. So I know it's annoying for you guys because I said almost the exact same thing. Simone's annoyed. <laughs> yeah. I was like, hey, everybody, big announcement. Everyone's like, we know, bitch. <laughs> but we have our winner for the episode. And I told you guys I would mention who the winner oh, is yeah. during this episode. We haven't done it. Yeah. Um, I mentioned her through Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook already. Mm-hmm. We announced the winner on May 1st. That was like a week and a half ago. Um, but I always pronounce her last name wrong. I always do, and I'm sorry. Because okay. I mentioned her before on this podcast a couple of times. She understands. Carrie Rousset. Rousset? Rousset. R-O-U-S-E-Y. God, I love you so much, Carrie. English is hard. Yes, and I love I love Carrie. Words I love Carrie hard. so much. It's crazy. We were friends on Twitter, friends on Instagram. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm like two seconds away from like sending her my address to be like, come over and have a sleepover with me because you're cool. Yeah. She's awesome. So she won our $50 Amazon gift card giveaway. Yay. We are shipping her a box of goodies and nudes this uh-huh. week. On yeah, Monday. we literally have it half finished. In my living room. In the living room open. Yes. So it's going to be very exciting. So yay. Thank you, Carrie. And thank you to everyone who left us iTunes reviews. You have no idea how much that helped our podcast this past month. Yes. Your iTunes reviews has Um, bumped up our podcast like crazy. Literally, if you search Anyways, How's Your Sex Life, you get all of the room reports. And when when we started this or like about two months into this, so like probably January, I checked again. And we were like a few pages down now because of y'all's uh, posts on iTunes. We're like the fourth, like we were pages down. We are like fourth down from the top. <gasps> if you search anyways, how's your sex life? Yes! Like you get all the Tommy Rousseau shit and like the room stuff, but we are like the fourth down and it's at the iTunes link because of all y'all shit. Shit, Thank Corey, you. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Fuck. Yeah, sorry. I didn't, yeah. I didn't say that. Yeah. So keep them coming guys. Your iTunes reviews are obviously making me wet with dread. Wet with dread. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, keep them coming. Keep rating us on iTunes. There's also Stitcher, all that good stuff. iTunes is the important one. Uh, but we love you guys, so thank you. Ooh, ooh, one thing. Carrie. Yes, Carrie. Hi, Carrie. Yeah. 
Talking to you, Last bitch. requirement is you have to like tell us how much you like voodoo chips. And if you don't like them, you just lie. <laughs> just lie. <laughs> just text us and be like, they're so good as you're like making yourself throw up in the bathroom. <laughs> just tell us how much how good they are because they're the best chip in the world. Yeah, I had to order like 40 bags. Actually, if you don't like them, you, you can bags. honestly tell us that you don't like it. That's fine. But they're the best chips we in the world. We won't be offended. But we, I want to know because like I already said this past time, but I was personally validated on a weird level with your brother with my when my brother that that's a weird sentence <laughs> <laughs> i was personally validated when i connected with my brother for the first time in like 10 years when i gave him a bag of chips or a bag of voodoo chips and i go these are the best chips ever and he opened them up and with genuine emotion on his face said oh my god these are the best chips ever they're the best chips ever yeah so they made Corey connect with his brother yeah. in a very healthy way. Healthy, non-sexual or weird Non-Pornhub way. <laughs> <laughs> and Carrie, we're hoping this will help you in a non-Pornhub or Pornhub well, way. Well, dude, if it helps you in a Pornhub way that has nothing to do with family. Then go for it. <laughs> like invite someone over and like just have voodoo chips on your titties and see where the night takes you. Or underaged people. Is Carrie underage? No, Carrie's not underage. <laughs> Thank God, <laughs> Carrie. <laughs> Carrie's not underage. She's like, I'm 16. Carrie's like a fucking badass. Okay, cool. Carrie. Uh, okay, so Carrie is not underage. She is a graphic designer, yes. and she has her own website. It is CarrieRousset.com. So if you want to check out her cool-ass graphic designs and shit, check it out. go to her website because she's a bad bitch. And she's also a bad bitch that's of the good age of the, of the approved of, of age. legal age she like texts us tomorrow she's like i'm 16, she's like, I'm 16. <laughs> and i'm like oh fuck I'm like we're canceled. i'm like well did you like the voodoo chips <laughs> did it help you with sex did it help you with underage sex <laughs> okay uh, sorry fbi guy we're like yeah sorry well it's i like, have damn not the like write papers on this yeah he's like i have all this paperwork <laughs> and i have some shout outs to do because i haven't done shout outs in a while do it so here are my shout outs. These are people who have either made us laugh, happy, cry, made us feel some form of human emotion through Instagram mm -hmm. or Facebook or Twitter, but usually Instagram because that's where people communicate with us the most. So here are their Instagram handles. Yo, side note, almost all of these are difficult to pronounce because usually I choose ones that are like <laughs> fart magnet 69, but these Yo, are I'll make funnier, better, simpler. So get creative, everyone. <laughs> yeah. With, with simple words. I want a, like, smash my taco 420 <laughs> username <laughs> handle. <laughs> so, fuck you guys. Smash my taco. <laughs> so, the first one is bregar0215. Yes. Next one is zerofim1221. She's the bad bitch that lives in Utah. Uh -huh. She's, like, a fellow ex-Mormon. Uh-huh. Yeah, you told me that. Yeah. Like, best friend of ours, pretty much. The next one is b underscore meows. This underscore is Misha. They are an artist. So go. Cool. That reminds me of Misha, Col Misha Collins. Yeah. Reminds me of a friend I had in high school. Her name was Misha. Nice. She was crazy. Misha, yeah. he plays, what's his name? Oh, my Castiel on Supernatural. He's the angel. I don't He's watch Supernatural. It's too much cool. of a commitment. It's the it's biggest not, show in the world. It's such a good commitment, though. The first, like, five seasons. Watch it, Channel. Right, I'm worth. watching Mad Men right now. <laughs> You're watching Mad Men right now? I told now? you I started the first episode and I love it. You do? Yes. Yes. I watched you it. bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking bitch. I knew it. I 
knew this day would come. I literally told Ryan on my date, Black Mad Men is like literally top three of his favorite shows. And I was like, yeah, I have this thing where when my friends come to me and they're like, yeah, I watch Mad Men. It's the best show ever. I'm just going to fucking like fart in their face. And it's starting. <laughs> so next week, Corey will fart in my face. <laughs> Keep tuned, everybody. Yeah, stay tuned. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I started watching Mad Men. And it is the best. Yeah. And it only literally gets better. I'm into it. Yeah. So I, I'm hooked yeah. now. Okay. Um, Sorry. A few more shout outs. <laughs> Back to announcements. Um, this shout out is to Porkins underscore the underscore white. Next one is to relax underscore dude with zeros instead of O's. The next one is for Cassie Violet. The next one's for Eilish.care, not Billie Eilish, just Eilish.care or uh-huh. her. Next one is Dave underscore Caymanson. Sure, yeah, sure. Sure. Hello, Dave. You know, you know you. <laughs> you're, Dave you're underscore listening. cock, what's up? Yeah. And final one is um, Gershgaroth. So I'm going to spell that one out because this is actually an artist. Gersh. G-E-R-S-H-G-O-R-O-T-H. Nice. What do they do? Art, yo. But like what art? Here, I'll show you on Instagram. Yes, bitch. He's an illustrator, leathersmith, painter, a lucky husband. He's a leathersmith? Yeah, daddy. Dude, can you like make me a harness? I mean, he makes bags, but he could probably make you a harness. <laughs> you have their straps on bags. All you have to do are put straps. And he makes shirts. He actually, that, that shirt sort of looked cool. So he makes bags and shirts. That's like h- halfway between a harness. Oh, dude, I like that shirt. You just got a new customer. That's cool. For shirts and harnesses. The one where he, the the mouth is, or the guy's head is like billowing into smoke. He's that listening cool. to this right now and he's like, I don't make harnesses. He's like, stop, <laughs> stop saying. <laughs> But yeah, his art. He's dope. like, while I support gays, I do not support that <laughs> I do not, type of gay. Do not support that gay, <laughs> that much gay. <laughs> That's cool. You have a cool Instagram. Actually. Yeah, his Instagram's dope. I'm not that cool. <laughs> yeah, my Instagram sucks. My Instagram's yeah. like me. That's showing cool. My ass Leather working. That's so cool. So when zombie apocalypse happens, please just like before all the phone towers go out, just like text me where you are. Yeah. I'll come. There we go. He'll yeah. come in every way. Yeah, everywhere. Okay, those are my <laughs> shout outs. <laughs> Yeah. Done. Done. Boom. Okay. Business. Faggots. Let's, let's go. get into some faggots. Let's get into some faggots. We're done with the business. Now let's get gay. Let's get gay. Let's get okay. Brian Kinney right now. Uh, if you I, don't know, I mean, go I watch it. I want to watch it. I want to watch it again. It's summer. I think I'll just watch it on my own because mm-hmm. it's too hard for us all to get together. Yeah. But it's so much. It's, yeah, we're it's together. Not, like it's everything. not a good enough show to watch alone. Yeah, <laughs> you that, have to watch it with Because you watch it and you're almost embarrassed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have to watch it with Because you're like, I could be watching such a better show right now. Right? Yeah. I could be watching, I am Sabrina Spellman. <laughs> <laughs> I have conviction in my voice. Listen to me. Listen to me. <laughs> Listen to me. I'm doing a boylesque. This is my faggot fact. What's it, up? It is because Scarlet Two-Face, um, we've mentioned it before. Our love. Um, our Lord he, and Savior. He, uh mentioned this to me okay so to get into boylesque in order for us to explain to you what boylesque is and get into it um i need to give you a a quick little history of burlesque this is actually something that i will probably do as a faggot fact later on because that's a it's a whole nother story um but i'm just going to quickly go through some stuff okay so burlesque was first brought to america from britain in the late 1860s by lydia thompson and her british blondes that sounds like bond girls the british no oh my god that'd be so fun (laughs) blonde girl burlesque dancers oh Write that down. Yeah, someone. write that down. Million dollar idea. <laughs> You're welcome. So, we just made someone um, rich. They were a troupe who spoofed traditional theatrical uh, productions and featured ladies performing men's roles. They were in costume and considered revealing uh, for the time period, but it basically was just like, you know, not that bad. They're I don't like know. like my ankle. I'm sure it was pretty bad. 
Um, maybe. <laughs> My thigh. So, um, American Burlesque soon assimilated into like, uh, to be into like a music hall to be like minstrel shows, strip teases, strip teases, comedy, and also into like the cabaret style. Uh, then they be- they began to evolve into the girly shows that you would see in the 40s and the 50s, which eventually gave away to the modern strip club. So go watch Chicago if you want yeah. a good taste. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so go watch Chicago for all of that. And all... I'll, I'll go way more deep into that when I do burlesque. Cool. Yeah. And when you do burlesque, we need to play all that jazz from the Ooh, Chicago soundtrack. I haven't seen Chicago. I need <laughs> to see it. You know, and I had never seen Moulin Rouge until... Oh, really? Until this past Christmas, and my sister even, who's Mormon, was like, you haven't seen Moulin Rouge. I watched it We're high watching school. Moulin Rouge. And I fell in love with... Ewan McGregor? Yeah, I fell in love with Ian McGregor even more. Because he's so all hot. Over again, and he can sing. Holy shit. Every... Y'all, everyone knew that. I did not know that. He was Lumiere in the new Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he was. Yeah, Lumiere. yeah. I just... I love Ian McGregor. He's so fucking awesome. Because he's the hot... He's one of... The yeah. hottest. He's one of the hottest actors that people don't talk about. Yeah, yeah, and he's like very like he's he's celebrity hot, and he's also just like normally hot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I remember seeing him in the island with is that ScarJo? No, it's I not don't know Scarjo. what the island it's is. It's not ScarJo. Maybe it's ScarJo. The island. It's like 2001. Michael Bay. Before Michael Bay became a douche. Before he started Transformers. Uh huh. Um, I don't think I've ever. seen Oh, it's island. really good. It has Ian McGregor and I think ScarJo, but it might not be ScarJo. But the whole time I was watching it, I was like, "Who's who's that?" I'm like Wait, 11. You're like, like Obi Wan. Who's that? <laughs> <laughs> Obi Wan. No, I think it came out. No, yeah, because Phantom of the Menace came out. It what, came 99? out after um after Attack of the Clones or right before Attack of the Clones. Mm. Yeah. The okay, so one. sorry. Anyways, I think it came out in 2001. Didn't Attack of the Clones come out in 2002? I think so because yeah. uh, Revenge of the Sith came out in two thousand four or five because my I it ran into five. my fourth grade five. teacher yeah, there. Like, what? Yeah, I ran into my teacher there because oh. he we were both ditching school the next day and he was like in full <gasps> blown yeah. cosplay. Oh, fuck yeah! And he had like a big crush on my mom, but he's like the biggest because oh. everyone had a crush on my mom. So my mom's yeah. awesome. And I also was in like full blown cosplay, and my mom took me to the midnight premiere, and I ran into him, and I was like, <gasps> "Mr. Arnold," he's like, "Chana," and Chana's mom, because he was like, like such a nerd. She's like, "Hey." She's like wearing like these slutty ass clothes to yes. a Star Wars premiere. <laughs> but it was awesome. He was like, "I guess I won't see you in class tomorrow," and I was like, "Nope, no, sir, <laughs> bye." <laughs> we both did school this for is Star way Wars. More important. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> you know who I ran into? I who? literally ran into R two D two. What? Somebody had a like legitimate r2d2 like life-size r2d2 that they controlled through mechanic oh my god and i literally ran into that's it so i felt cool. so bad that's cool though sad. he didn't i wish he would have done the <laughs> you can do it I tyler do it. right now tyler say is it gearing up to do that noise <laughs> right this very second i wish he would have been able to do that noise but he made him like beep a lot when oh I he's like yeah he did a little like the calculating beeps he did that that's funny so at my cousin's school um in southern california there's a dad there that like built a whole um r2d2 replica that's like a functioning working little robot yes and that we showed up to the school to pick up my cousin from like a summer from a outdoor school thing Uh and there was like casual r2d2 like beep booping around and i was like what the fuck i was like southern california schools are so different than utah (laughs) you're like god damn what the fuck i was like damn rich white people this is fun (laughs) he's like beep <laughs> okay, so sorry, back to boylesque <laughs> or burlesque right now. We're not even a boylesque. <laughs> I don't even know how we got how on we to get Star to Star Wars. Wars? <laughs> I don't even know. That happens all the time. <laughs> okay, so in New York, Mayor Fioroli, fuck you, 
clamp down on burlesque, effectively putting it out of business um, by the early 1940s. That's no fun. And burlesque lingered on um, in like different places in the U.S., of course, because, you know, fun things always do. And it basically like because in the 70s, uh, the code, uh, the 1933 code, I forget what it's called for like film to okay. like limit things that happened. It was in 1933. I can't think of the name for it, but it, it stopped in the late 60s or early 70s. I forget exactly when. But basically when nudity was able to come back and like porno started to rise, um, hey. basically burlesque was just like totally like almost eradicated basically in America. However, this is when we get to what we call neo-burlesque. So it's basically exactly what it sounds like. Um, A new generation uh, nostalgic for the spectacle and glamour of the old times. They were determined to bring burlesque back. The first neo-burlesque show in in New York City was the Blue Angel Cabaret in 1994. Um, So basically what it is, it's a modernized version of burlesque. But overall, the shows have incorporated a lot more talent and various forms of performance. uh, Like, you know juggling yeah no literally no literally it basically i wrote i wrote here myself when i was reading up all the different acts and i'll go into it a little bit more because boylesque is basically just a version of neo is just the boy version of neo burlesque it basically just looks like vaudeville acts Mm. so vaudeville was just stuff or just like multiple what you could you could almost just easily sum it up as um professional talent show acts where people would do anything from juggling to like spinning plates and you know just like you Ooh, know okay. traditional things that you can think of. So like PT Barnum, like when he was doing that, like his initial freak show stuff, you could call that a vaudeville act because it would be involved with all these other different people doing different things and mm. stuff like that. Um, so that's basically like neo burlesque because they sort of brought it back in the '90s um, and were basically it was even less it was more sexy than actually sexual. Yeah, that's burlesque. Yeah, yeah. Well, but like with burlesque, though, they were they did say though that like when it was brought into to America, it was used as being more sexual, like being sexual, and like I want to see that girl's tit, yeah, or I want to see that girl's thigh, yeah. But like I guess when that makes it was sense, brought back, was, yeah. it was more just based on being sexy and fun. And it was brought back in the nineties. At that point, like strip clubs already existed, so if you wanted to see. Full-blown Oh, yeah, just go girls. see some titties. Yeah, yeah, but if you wanted to go see, like, a fun, sensual, like, yeah. sexy and fun show where girls are, like, helicopter titting with, like, nipple... Oh, my God, that would be so fun. Tassels. Tassels. <laughs> I want to get slapped in the face with some girl's helicopter. The coolest tassels. part about burlesque so is burlesque is all about body positivity. Yeah. Because burlesque dancers are every shape and size, color, uh-huh. everything. Oh, and there's a whole... There was, like, a whole section on Wikipedia about that. Yeah. Especially, like, how in boylesque... And it's, like... Imp- I mean, it's important for every fucking gender. Yeah. Like, yeah, to be body positive. Like, you... It doesn't matter. You don't need to be a chiseled, like, perfect person or yeah. a skinny thigh gap girl or whatever. Like, they, they are positive about all, like, body types. Because everybody's sexy. Everybody yeah, Everybody exactly. can, like, be sexual or be sexy and sensual and fun. Yeah. That's why I love burlesque. Okay, so during the revival of burlesque in the 90s, men began performing their own neo-burlesque shows. And the roots of this even, like, dates back to the 1980s. There's a performer performance artist known as John Sex. Nice. Where he would do strip teases at clubs. Uh, here's a, a couple clubs named Danceteria. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and also one called The Underground. Ooh. And he would do the strip tease while he would also sing electropunk songs from the 80s. And he, if you look him up, if you would look up John Sex, he has this big-ass, like, almost platinum blonde hairdo. It's very oh, 80s. My God. It's so punk, very 80s. 
Yeah. That is fun. Yeah, I think he even has like the eye, the the black eyeliner and eyeshadow, whatever you want to call it. That is it. so fun. Oh my god, there's a random ass picture of John Cena. Oh yeah, there's John Cena. In there's it. a bunch yeah. of John Cena. I don't Cena know why pictures. there's John Cena in it. I guess and John just... Krasinski. Yeah, whatever. We you typed in John. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> and John Lennon, and also. <laughs> They're all the same. It's all of them up on a stage just fucking each other. John Lennon's like Ned, with Ned, electro punk, punk in the background. That's so fun. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. The scene, however, didn't really come into the spotlight until the mid-90s, even though it technically did start in, in this is Boylesque we're talking about now. So Boylesque it actually will like predate, and e- with these performances, will predate what we know as neo-burlesque. Um, but when neo-burlesque really became a thing, Boylesque also became a thing, but there are evidences before, and that is one of the evidences. So um, when it came into the spotlight, it came in the spotlight in the mid to late 90s, and one of the main like figureheads of this is a guy named James Ferguson, or Fergus, yeah, Ferguson. Um, he goes by the name of Tigger. Ooh, daddy. <laughs> it might be Tiger. It might be pronounced Tiger, but it's uh, T-I-double-G-R, like Tigger from yeah, Pooh Bear. from Pooh Bear. Um, so I don't know if he says Tiger or Tigger. Who knows? We're going to go um, Tigger. I'm not that – I didn't. I should have just looked at a YouTube video quickly, but I did not. So um, how he got big is basically he would uh, be a stripper on the stage, but he would be alongside of other leading burlesque ladies. Um, their names were – Dirty Martini. Yes. So good. Oh my Fuck god. Yeah, girl. I'm changing. I'm legally changing Dirty my Martini. Name. That Dirty is Martini. like, that's awesome. I'm gonna get a tramp stamp. This is Dirty Martini. <laughs> I'm like two seconds away. Like, fuck yes. <laughs> like if I was a girl, I like would just want to be in front of like a sea of men and just say, "Hey, I'm Dirty Martini." You can call me. And just have them cheer. Dirty Martini. <laughs> Um, and then there's also this girl, uh, her she's world famous, and she's called B.O.B. Uh, that probably stands for something, but I couldn't find it mm-hmm. in my, you know, lengthy 15 seconds that I tried. Let's see, B.O.B. <laughs> so um, it's B.O.B. Bob. Um, she's world famous, oh. I think, or her name is world famous Bob. I'm not exactly sure. B.O.B. Um, Bitch. So he and other performers, Over though, bitches. after just being alongside them, started to do shows in between them. Ooh. So like the, you know, so like Dirty Martini would, God damn it. Dirty Martini's like, I'm here. I, I hope like, is Dirty Martini alive. I want to meet this girl. Right. I want her to teach me her Dirty Martini ways. Yes, please. Or just like ASMR my my ear. Dirty Martini. <laughs> <laughs> just like sp- just like spin an olive around a yeah. martini. Like, oh, there we go. <laughs> Oh yeah, then like oh. the shaking of the Oh god, just like <laughs> just like put in between your boobs. Oh yeah. <laughs> um so he and other proto so Ferguson, we're not talking about Judy Martini. What a shame. Um he and other proto performers like Scotty and the blue bun or Scotty the Blue Bunny took the stage between started taking the stage between these female actors and they like I, I went to a New York Times article um from November two thousand twelve and it was really cool to uh, just, like, have some of their, like, they were interviewed in 2012, and they're talking about when they would start doing this in the 90s. Mm. And they were like, oh, yeah, we would, like, come out in between them, and you could just see the guys being, like, really embarrassed mm. that they were, like, you know, they, they they're were just, like, crazy kids. turned on, and they're expecting to be crazy turned on again. And then they just see this, like, guy start to strip tease in front of them. So, yeah, they would they would just, like, be really uncomfortable, but he said that, by the end of like sometimes by the end of the shows or eventually as it sort of caught on more and people like 
knew it was coming, like men would cheer. And he said like straight oh. men would give them tips at the end of the night and be like, wow, that was really good. Fun. Like I'm I'm like weirded out, but that was really good. Thank you. Good job, yeah. straight guys. Like thank you for pushing my sexuality. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was interesting. Good job for making me like appreciate the male form as well, not being No, and, and I think that's it. almost like one thing that he is quoted saying is like, thank you for like, I didn't know the male form could do that. Yeah. Yeah. It was Fuck interesting. Yeah. So I've already said boylesque is basically considered to be a kind of neo-burlesque. It is basically like uh, there's burlesque and there's neo-burlesque. And then the under the umbrella of neo-burlesque, there is boylesque, at least what I got from the definitions from a few websites and Wikipedia. It is not simply men dressing up like their classic female counterparts and then stripping. Um, as we've said, just like neo-burlesque, their performance are tailored by the individual themselves and include anything from like elaborate, elaborate costumes, highly choreographed routines, comedic routines, and sometimes even like mini narratives that most of the time will have political spins put on them. Mm. Um, like SNL, but sexy. Exactly. (laughs) No. Yeah. Seriously. In the November, 2012 article of the New York times, they did a whole spread about this, um, about boylesque. And Mr. Ferguson, who I mentioned earlier, who's one who sort of like became the first figurehead to start all of this, um, he describes boylesque as, quote, a performance form that combines dance, theater, and aspects of drag, end quote. Another boylesque performer that is also interviewed in the same article, by he goes by Mr. Hater. Or, sorry, hey, no, Mr. Harder. Uh, oh. <laughs> yeah, bitch. Oh. Mr. <laughs> um, Harder. Mr. Harder. Um, so he said, a quote, it celebrates the uber-masculine while also flipping it on its head and playing with preconceived gender norms, end nice. quote, which is awesome. Boom. Um, so yes. basically my two cents about this is I always sort of stated earlier is that that like off of those two definitions from what they said, also I think the key thing is is that the performances are tailored by the individual themselves. Mm-hmm. So it literally like going through these things and going through even modern day like commercials online, like on YouTube about boylesque, it is literally vaudeville. It is literally people getting up and doing what they do. Um, mm-hmm. It immediately re- reminded me of the early like 1980 or the eight, sorry, the 1890s films that Thomas Edison did, mm-hmm. like the first or some of the first films after the Lumiere brothers where he did it in the Black Mariah, which is like a, his, his stage set or his like like one of the first sets ever. And he would sit there and they would have a stage and he would literally have vaudeville performers come up and do their performance and he would record it. And so literally there's like a lady that had, there's a really famous one that they actually went and colored in and it's a lady and she, it's the one where you have the poles on each arm and she has like really drapey, uh, like silk. Oh, okay. And so she flows with it, you know, and stuff like that. I had there's an EDC literally outfit like, like that. what? I had an EDC outfit like that. Oh, you did, yeah. <laughs> My butterfly. No, yeah. There's literally, and so there's literally like one of the trailers that I saw on YouTube for a performance in New York a few years ago. Is there was a guy doing that during his burlesque? So it's literally just like that. Oh, it's fun. people just doing what they do, and they do it in a sensual way. That's, That's so basically fun. boylesque. So, um, a little side, quick sidebar, is that when I went to Urban Dictionary. They said that boylesque is divided basically into two different definitions. Boylesque being men under 30 with chiseled bodies performing, while merlesque is men over 30s of any shape and form doing burlesque. Huh. Um, and it comes from combining the words merlot, like, you know, the wine, yeah. um, with burlesque. Um, I don't think that's, uh, I think that's like, because it's Urban Dictionary, yeah, I don't think so it's appropriate it's... or even worthwhile. Yeah. It's boylesque. You're a male. Do it. Yeah. Um, but maybe like I'm sure like in some scenes, like people will say you're doing boylesque or you're doing merlesque, whatever. I don't well, know. Whatever. You do you. Yeah. It was just a side note. I like it. 
burlesque is fun. Yeah, and that was and that and again, like that was the only aspect where I saw them specifically say like, no, you have to be a twink. Yeah, you know, to be and boy-lesque. to be boylesque or yeah. something like that. And I was like, okay, well, but you I could read anything. the exact opposite five times, and that's the exact opposite of burlesque. <laughs> exactly, because burlesque is the celebration of a body, a body, of a, yeah, of and a being human sensual, form, yeah, of like everyone's capable of feeling sexy and being sexy and having fun with their bodies, yeah. And so that's so burlesque. for the first time, fuck you, Urban Dictionary. Fuck you, Urban Dictionary. You <laughs> goddamn twat. You got it wrong, bitch. <laughs> I love so it. So that is boylesque. I love it. Okay, so my spooky scoop. Um, this is a spooky scoop. I thought about you the entire time, Corey. Yes. Because I think this will give you some inspo for some future episodes. Yes. Because I am talking about the most haunted places in the United States. Ooh. It's like a long list of them. Um, so this is according to Nat Geo. So, okay, yeah. You know, I'm going to trust Nat Geo. Yeah, let's trust Nat they Geo. They have magazines. They okay? taught us stuff about animals. They taught us shit about animals. Steve they have Irwin a... was employed by Nat Geo, yeah. right? Yes. Steve Irwin was, was it Nat Geo or Animal Planet? Probably both. Oh, wait, isn't it all like um? It's under probably under a parent company like ABC or like something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, regardless, because there's like ten companies that literally own everything. Yeah, Disney. Yeah. yeah. Boom, we're done. Coca-Cola. That's half of the stuff that we know. Yeah, Google. Google. We know everything. Amazon. And Amazon. There we go. We're done. Yeah. Apple also. Maybe Walmart. Maybe even they might be owned maybe, by Disney now. Maybe. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Okay, so yeah, I'm talking about the most haunted places in the United States. So Corey, this might give you some inspo. And if you're interested yes. in any of these places, just let me know after and I'll send you. Oh, yeah, please places. do. Okay, so haunted places. The first one is the La Lorie Mansion in New Orleans, Louisiana. Yes. So Madame Marie Delphine LaLaurie. <laughs> yeah, that's on American Horror Story. Yes. Yeah. That's my fun Three. spooky scoop yeah. about that. She was a Louisiana socialite known for hosting ritzy soirees and also killing and destroying slaves horrifically torturing horrifically mutilating slaves bodies yeah so you could learn more about her in american horror story coven because um, just do that kathy bates plays marie delphine lollery yeah don't read the actual shit that it's horrific because it's worse so obviously the mansion is haunted as fuck so you can i don't think they have tours anymore but you can go look at it from the outside um the next you can get haunted as fuck from 30 feet away yeah, so for 30 feet away, you can be like, oh, fuck, that's haunted. <laughs> um, the next one is the Shanghai Tunnels in Portland, Oregon, which I didn't know Whoa, about. Whoa, I've never heard of this. So these tunnels were used to transport human trafficking victims. They would steal people, kidnap people, or, like, trick people into what? working for, um, like, boats and shipping and slave labor. Would they, like, send them off to the Pacific Islands? S- you know, wherever Or import them going. from the Pacific Islands. They would take people and, like, use those tunnels as a traveling point. It's like the Underground Railroad, but for the opposite reason. Instead of for, like, we're defeating slavery, it's for, like, the opposite of human rights. <laughs> Jesus. So Portland Tunnels, the Shanghai Tunnels. Need shape up. Yeah. Opposite of human rights. <laughs> um, so Portland, are, colon, opposite of human rights. <laughs> Portland's like, what the fuck? As I'm, like, moving there in a few years, probably. Right? <laughs> okay. Um, the next one is Eastern State Penitentiary in Philadelphia. It's a spooky-ass prison in the 1800s. Need I say more? No. The next one is very famous. You all have heard of it. The RMS Queen Mary in Long yes. Beach, California. What's up, Long Beach? Yeah. Um, the retired ocean liner sailed the Atlantic Ocean from 1936 to 1967. During her first three years at sea, the Queen Mary carried every everyone from celebrities from Elizabeth Taylor to Dwight Eisenhower, Aubrey, Audrey Hepburn, everybody. Um, and now in 1939, she was stripped to her amenities. 
Um, and she began her second life as the Grey Ghost, a World War II troop ship. Ooh. Bunch of people died. She was involved with World War II. Not a fun time. Super haunted. Mm-hmm. Um, the Queen Mary's in Long Beach. You can go tour it right now. You can you stay want. there, too. You can. I think, like, the Ghost Hunters did a couple episodes there. Yeah. Next one is the Lizzie Borden Bed and Breakfast in Fall River, Massachusetts. So on August 4th, 1982, the bodies of Andrew and Abby Borden were discovered with legend beyond recognition in their home. The prime suspect was their daughter, Lizzie. Um, I'm not going to say the rest of the story because I'm going to say that for Corey if he ever wants to do it. Um, Now, the Borden home has since been converted into a museum and a bed and breakfast. Cute. So you can go there and you can sleep and on display are all the gruesome and horrific photos of the murder of the bodies and stuff. What the fuck? Pretty cool. I'm not sleeping there. Um, So, yeah, and it's obviously haunted as fuck. The next one, this is for all of you film nerds out there, is the Stanley Hotel in Estes Park in Colorado. Yeah. What's up, The Shining? Mm -mm 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 -mm. Whatever you do. You gotta stay true. Gotta stay haunted. <laughs> so according to staff, Mrs. Stanley can be heard playing her creepy ass piano in the mm. music room at night. And Mr. Stanley occasionally shows up in photographs. Ooh. Ooh. And they also have reports of bags being unpacked, lights turning on and off, echoes of children laughter in the hallways, running in the halls, you know, classic haunted hotel shit. Yes. Unfortunately, no naked ladies in the bathtub. Sorry, shiny. Unfortunately, fans. no decrepit bloated. Um, super fun fact about this place. Guest bedrooms have a TV channel that plays The Shining on 24-hour loop. That's disturbing, but I would do that. Oh, I would yeah. Go, I would go stay there and watch The Shining just it's in Colorado. for the sake of film. We could go. Yeah. We should go. It costs a lot. I think it's like 200 a night. It's it might be lot. worth it, though. Patreons. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> give, give us your fucking money. Give us your fucking money, and we'll go get spooked we'll on fucking go. <laughs> uh, well, I will. Was that you? Okay, it was. <laughs> I was like, I'm fucked. <laughs> I was about to say we'll go do Ouija. <laughs> but I'm, I'm redacting that. Noob's like, no, you won't. Valak's <laughs> like, yes, he Simone will. Simone just like floats through. Toulouse floats through. I'm <laughs> like, I'm doing Ouija. <laughs> That's true. Okay. I would do Ouija to contact boobs. Yeah, for reals. And the last one I'm talking about is the Trans Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. Um, in Weston, West Virginia. It's an asylum in the 1800s. Okay. Need I say more? Um, I think I've heard of this one, yeah. Yeah, it's it's an asylum. So one- but Yeah, it's an asylum in West Virginia. Stop. Yeah. That just sounds asylum, like a story. West Virginia, 1800s. That's all you need to know. It's a yeah. perfect Conjuring movie. Yeah. It's a perfect, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> scary-ass movie. Yeah. So those are the most haunted places. I'm sure Corey will cover some of these in future Definitely. topics. Or some of them might be group episodes. I don't really know. Yeah. But yeah, so that's my my spooky scoop, motherfuckers. Fuck yeah. Should we open up another bottle of champagne before we start? Sure. Two shots of vodka. We're back. We got more alcohol. Shampoo. And we tweeted about No. Instead. We Instagrammed about it. Um, so mine today, my spooky segment, is about uh, the Crescent Hotel. Oh. And this is. Speaking what? of haunted places. So it's good that you're talking about a haunted place. Oh, yeah. No. And this is, this is like, for a long time, is really one of, like, the biggest haunted places in America. Nice. Yeah. It's, like, it has. It, it's, it's a really renowned one for being super haunted. Um, so this one is the Crescent Hotel, and it's the Crescent Hotel in Eureka Springs, Arkansas. Hello, okay, Arkansas. There's, a, there's multiple Crescent Hotels, I think, but this is like the OG Crescent Hotel. Mm. Okay. So um, before we get into the history of the hotel itself, 
It's important to know the history of Eureka Springs and the area that it's in. So it is located in the Ozarks of Northwest uh, Arkansas. Arkansas. <laughs> now I always, yeah, I know. <laughs> I always think of the meme now. So I, ha- I will say Arkansas. Which meme? What meme? Where it's like, this is, how is this Kansas? But this is Arkansas. Oh, yeah, yeah. America, explain. (laughs) I love it. I love English. Um, So it's located in the Ozarks of Northwest Arkansas. Um, But I'll probably say Arkansas just because I'm thinking about that meme all the time. Because we're millennials. Yeah, because we're millennials. We only communicate And avocado. Yeah. 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 I literally can't say avocado. (laughs) Avocado. I don't think avocado anymore. I just think avocado. Like today I went to a restaurant for lunch and I was like, no avocado. No avocado. I was like, no avocado. No avocados. Oh, yes. Update. I discovered I'm very allergic to avocados, everybody. Yeah, very allergic. Super duper. Because latex, too. Because I'm also allergic to latex. Latex. That's why we get skin. That's why I can't use condoms with latex. Skin condoms. Yeah, Yeah. but it's okay. Yeah, you're just on birth control, so. No need for condoms when you're on birth control. (laughs) Or when you're barren like me. Woo! 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 (laughs) (laughs) Your eggs are like, no. (laughs) My body's like, but this is not what... Why? Stop it. This isn't a joke. This isn't what it's supposed to be. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, it's in uh, Ozarks of Northwest Arkansas <laughs> in uh, Eureka Springs. It is a beautiful and isolated place of rolling hills, rivers, and forests. So, originally, the Native American legends tell of a great healing spring in the Eureka Springs area. Nice. And people of various indigenous cultures long visited the spring for this sacred purpose. So, of course, white people are going to hear about this and then go fuck and it And ruining, up. yeah. They're like, can we bottle this up and sell it? <laughs> so, can we, like, kill y'all and then move y'all away and then bottle it up and sell it? Yeah, they're, and like, they're like, probably not. They're like, well, we're going to do that anyways. <laughs> we're going to fucking do that anyways because we're horrible. Can we bring like horrible illnesses and just like ruin your entire environment and life because we think we're right because we're right (laughs) (laughs) my god (laughs) happy thanksgiving happy thanksgiving everybody (laughs) it's may 11th yeah close (laughs) enough (laughs) after the early european american settlers arrived in the area they described the waters of the springs as also having magical powers probably just coming from those native american uh, legends so the earliest official claim of this is by a pioneer doctor by the name of Dr. Alva Jackson, who Alva located Jackson. the spring. Oh, this is the this is the voice that I was going to do. It's later on. I'll get to it. I'm going to try and do it. Yay. So, we're going to do voice actors d- now. Drunk voice acting. I'll do it. I'll <laughs> but people who can't. Well, you can act, but I cannot act. Ah, <laughs> uh, fuck. My people are from Arizona. There's no accent to go with Arizona. I'm just going to do a southern accent. I'm going to just try and do like the local, uh, the local <laughs> prospector. <laughs> I'll do that. Oh, no. So um, located this, So Dr. Alva Jackson, he located the spring and in 1856 claimed that the waters of the basin spring had cured his eye ailments. Mm. Some of them say it's his eye, but most of them said that it was the, the, the son of his, the eye of his son. <laughs> yeah. So I think it was his son's eye that was like, I think he was going blind in it or something like that. Same. And then he put, he just like threw water in it and it healed it. That's what the claim is. Well, Corey, we should go. I know, right? We'll get our, we'll like stop being nearsighted as fuck. Yeah. Um, so during a civil war battle known as the Battle of Pea Ridge, uh, as in a pea, like a green pea that you eat, P-E-A. Not a golden shower. Not a golden shower. Bummer. Oh, man, the Civil War golden shower. That would have been interesting. That would have been awesome. That would have definitely spiced up my history I'll just, like, classes. have hot, gruff men with beards just, like, pissing on you. God damn. <laughs> so, yeah, anyways, <laughs> how's your sex life? <laughs> um, y'all, any, we'll get to the afterwards. I was supposed to have sex, or I was supposed to have an appointment. <laughs> 
call it out your right appointment. before this and the guy ended up living in boise yes because somehow grinder fucked up and told me that he was near me anyways how's your sex life anyways i'm horny Corey's horny and i'm the only one I that's blue here balls. <laughs> so um where were we pee okay yeah, golden showers <laughs> so uh dr jackson at this time he established a local hospital in a local cave and used the waters from the basin springs to treat patients on both sides of the war this happens a lot and so after the war jackson like truly believes in the waters from the basin springs and so then he begins to market it, the spring waters as dr jackson's eye water i told you <laughs> white people yeah yeah no exactly <laughs> yeah he's like so oh my god shit. so this is where the prospector voice comes in and i'll try and he's like dr jackson's eye water come <laughs> down and, and, and use our water to to, to heal anything <laughs> only one quarter you yeah. can get a whole bottle of, a whole you can elixir. heal anything from blue balls to limp dick to smelly vagina all you need is Dr. Jackson's elixir. <laughs> <laughs> so in, in 1879, Judge J.B. Saunders, a friend of Jackson, claimed that his crippling disease um, was cured by the spring water. So he basically had like a really big problem with the, one of his legs mm. and um, he used the waters Which and he leg? was able to walk. Ew. What? Which leg? Ew. Whoa. Ew, 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 ew. Um, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe. actually. Um, and so uh, basically Saunders, this J- Judge J.B. Saunders guy, started promoting the Eureka Springs water and Dr. Jackson's eye water um, to friends and family members across the state and also across like a lot of states because he was like a businessman uh, or a judge. Sorry. And he was like uh, really like connected. So people began to just flock to this place. Everyone wanted that jo- Dr. Jackson's elixir. Dr. Jackson's elixir water. Elixir <laughs> water. water. You want to fix it? Get the elixir. <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically within a, uh, within a period of little more than one year, the city expanded from a rural spa village to a major city. That's cr- In one year? Yeah, in that's one crazy. year. It's crazy. But still, it literally only capped out at about like 3,500. But looked. still, like, yeah. th- this is what year was this? Um, 18 or 1850 something, 1879. So to have that many people travel across. Oh yeah. From around areas and then to start to build and stuff like like that. That's a hard, that's hard travel days. Yeah. So it literally became the fourth uh, largest city in, by 1881. And then also we're getting ahead of ourselves, but it became the second largest in Arkansas by 1889, just under Little Rock. Damn. Yeah. The capital. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the the boomtown happens and it starts to build up really rapidly in the next year, year and a half. So Republican uh, dude, Powell, Powell Clayton, Clayton from, um, it just reminds me of, what's it called? Tarzan. Clayton. Oh, yeah. It just reminds me of that. Uh, so Clayton basically, um, he comes in and starts uh, to, he forms the Eureka Improvement Company. And it's basically because they build, they start building all the cities and mm. just all of that. So basically like construction and shit like that, I believe. I'm not exactly sure about that, but that's what I got from all of like the context of what they're talking about. Okay. Uh, so then he basically, what he does is he um, is like, hey, we should probably get the railroad into this. And so he has a railroad that is built to the town. And with the completion of the railroad, Eureka Springs established itself as a vacation resort, like on top Ooh. of being a town. Big tourist attraction. Yeah. And in only two years, thousands of homes and commercial enterprises were constructed because of the Eureka Improvement Company. Eureka. So then in 1886, sorry all this like history stuff, but I think it's sort of interesting. History is fucking sorry. important. Yeah. I love history. Yeah. I'm wet right now. Right? Wet, wet, wet with. With knowledge. With head. I'm knowledge. wet with knowledge. With knowledge. <laughs> I just think of uh, Gary in SpongeBob's dream. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's all I think of. 
Um, so then in 1886, the Crescent Hotel was built by the Eureka Springs Improvement Company and the Frisco Railroad um, that was all organized by Powell Cl- by Clayton um, as he was like sort of the main like investor and like, you know, big macho person. So they did this because Clayton got together with an investor railroad bris- businessman bro um, by the name of Richard C. Kearns. And they realized that this monetary potential uh, for both of them that they could create by not only transporting customers to Eureka Springs by the uh, railroads that Kearns had invested money in, but also by creating a destination for them to stay at, which would also then in turn create more people to use the railroads. So you get that. So it's just like Republicans looking for more money. Yeah. They're like, wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. How much money can we make here? Yeah, exactly. How much more can we make here? Yeah. So like, let's, let's create a resort so that people like rich people will come to, to create more people to come to this town. So to more like traffic on the railroads, Bam, we got more money. All for elixir, or Dr. Jackson's elixir. Dr. Jackson's eye elixir. Eye <laughs> Dr. Elixir. Jackson's eye elixir. Howdy, y'all. For 24, just a quarter, <laughs> you can get Dr. Jackson's eye elixir. And cure your... Your you know, ales. Your ales. Um, so, as a result, the hotel is built to be America's most luxurious resort for the rich and famous, costing uh, 294000 to build, equating to $8,295,224 today. That's a big number. Um, so, the company imported legendary Irishmen to sculpt and build the foundation out of the native magnesium limestone, and the leader of which is also quoted to say that that is the most exquisite limestone he'd ever worked with in all of his fucking life. Cool. Yeah. It was also designed by the most renowned architect of their time, Isaac S. Taylor. Um, he is basically some dude. He's built like 10 really big, beautiful um, hotels in America at that time. And I think like eight of them are around today or a few, oh. or, or something like that. But he's like, he was like the biggest architect for this kind of thing at his time. That's so they like, him. Uh, just, I'm just saying that to They're say the like, the they were getting the best of the best. They were getting the cream of the crop to be the most luxurious, elegant hotel just that you could to go say to. cream of the crop. Oh, Cute. cream of the crop? Yeah. Oh. Oh. <laughs> People um, are like, ugh. <laughs> so yeah, they... They the hotel was for, fully equipped with Edison lamps, which I looked up. They were invented about eight years earlier. Oh, so they're Only brand eight new. Eight years earlier, yeah. Tip top of the technology. Yeah, um, they were furnished with electric bells, heated with steam, and even had a hydraulic elevator. I think apparently Whoa. you would heat stuff with steam before you could do regular heating. I don't know. I'm more interested in the elevator. Yeah, That's yeah, spooky exactly. As hell. I didn't look up how when elevators were invented or when they were you know used commercially. But, yeah, there was a hydraulic elevator there. So, yeah, basically no cost was spared for this hotel. And when it was opened, it housed 400, uh, like, you know, people, celebrants that were there. Um, And many were, like, business tycoons, political figures, and the guest of honor was a Republican presidential – was the Republican presidential nominee at the time. His name was James G. Blaine. He didn't win. Oh, yeah. I was like, uh (laughs) uh-oh. He didn't win. (laughs) I was like, I don't remember him at all. Yeah, right. I think he became a senator later on. Or mm-hmm. something like that, whatever. So I guess go him. It was such like a high class, promising start for the hotel. Um, although that was going on, like something was stirring. This place was taken by, you know, from Native Americans. There was a Native American legend surrounding the place with the waters. It was sacred to them. And then it was just taken and um, extorted for profit. So yeah. like obviously bad shit's going to happen. Um, so the first problem for the hotel were the, like the winter periods of inter- inactivity that they... It seems like they I – mean, I don't think they overlooked because that's how it operated. But they – I guess they assumed they would get too much – like more profit during the summer that it would be okay. 
And basically by 1902, the hotel was leased to the Frisco Railroad. And during this time, it was still active during the summer months. A lot of places say that it wasn't like it became inactive and was left like abandoned. But I don't think that was true. Mm. Um, I saw some comments and one like historian lady comment and she was like, no, like it was active. That's just Mm. how you did it. Like things were inactive. Like the Stanley Hotel. Yeah, I was just about to say, it sounds like The Shining. Like exactly. During the like winter that's a months. real thing. Like hotels were inactive, especially like mountain hotels. Yeah. They were inactive during the periods of winter. All work and no play makes Johnny a dull boy. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. In 1908, it was reported uh, or was reopened as the Crescent College and Conservatory for Young Women. Um, this institution w- then was closed down in 1924 and then opened again in 1930 as a junior college. Then the college closed in 1934 and uh, it was then again leased as a summer hotel so you have for like the next you know 30 years it just going back and forth between scissoring scissoring and ouija Ouija boards yeah same thing (laughs) tomato tomato um then you have this guy named norman g baker damn it you were close (laughs) it's norman g baker Damn. I thought yeah. you were saying Norman Bates, and I was like, whoa, crossover. Yeah, it's Norman Bates. But hey, what's up, Bakes? What's up, Bakes? Your cousin, your um, ancestor owned this hotel. So in 1937, Norman G. Baker bought the hotel and remodeled it into the Baker Cancer Clinic, designed as both a hospital and a health resort. Ooh. Now, Baker was a millionaire inventor and radio personality. He styled himself as a doctor, despite having like no medical training whatsoever. <laughs> like, I'm a doctor. He was literally fucking lying. So he claimed to have discovered a number of cures for various ailments, including cancer, and launched and like like literally would get on the radio and be like, "Come on down to Norman G. Baker's like you know cancer clinic." We have Doctor Jackson's we elixir. We have Doctor Jackson's ancient <laughs> elixir from the 1800s. It'll kill cure your ails. He was a complete charlatan, basically a fraud. And just would say, hey, I have these elixirs that comes from the natural spring water from the Native American legends um, of it being sacred to them. And these are like healing spring waters. And if you come here, I have, you know, elixirs for limp dick, elixirs for snake bites, elixirs for even cancer. Boom. And for a while, he even like... Um, got the attention of like doctors around the nation because like, they were like, doctors. wait, what? And then they're like, they were immediately like, no, you're fucking lying. And he got in like big trouble. Other than basically lying to the entire nation through his radio broadcasts and um, just like lying to people to have them come to, you know, the clean mountain air. He What he did during this time is he, on top of selling all these elixirs, he did some like really interesting, weird, cool, cool shit. He refurbished the hotel and like did all these shades of purple in it oh, <laughs> because purple his is his thing, pink. as we've said. Um, he even inst- installed a secret escape route from his office, nice. which went to a hidden staircase that then led out like in some distant part on the like lot. I think it's like it was either 27 or 47 acres. I forget, but I remember seven being the second number of acres. You know, if I owned a property like that, I would definitely have Dude, a secret tunnel Dude, that'd be so fun. Yeah, well. if, you had, if you were like a charlatan, like business tycoon man that had I a ton of money, you. fuck yeah. It's just an interesting story. And they well. even estimate during this time he was making like $500,000 just uh, like $500,000 at that time from patients that believed him and would come and do this. And that's 1930s money. So that's yeah. like That's like a shit ton now. of money. Yeah. yeah. So um Damn. It's good to be scammer. Even, so during this time he basically would have people come to the hotel, they would stay at the hotel and the main thing was like, "Hey, these waters, the waters that I have mixed with some of my own concoctions because I'm a doctor." 
um, make these elixirs, and I mm. give you these elixirs for this ailment, that ailment, whatever. It's like mixed with arsenic. He's like, You're, I don't know what happened. No, yeah. So I have some it. things that he mixed with it. So he basically, um, he would mix these these elixirs, and he would mostly inject them into the people, Ooh. which is dangerous in and of itself. Um, That's but they rough. were tea, cloves, uh, carbolic acid. And none of this, like, is even remotely, like, helpful. Like, especially to cancer. Speaking, like... like for cancer. Speaking for cancer. None of this is remotely helpful or helpful at all. Um, however, none of these injection, injections were lethal to the cancer patients, nor did they actually even accidentally kill them one time. That's lucky. So it was super lucky for him because he was never, like, you know, convicted of murder. Uh, during this time also, how he would basically do it is he would have these people come... And most of the time he would just be like, okay, here's these elixirs. Stay here for like three to six months, whatever. And then you leave and you go home and you're fine. But they would always just die. Yeah. Um, He's like, and oh. sometimes though he would even be like, hey, uh, below the entire hotel, he would have this place, uh, a, a morgue below <laughs> it where people who died there, he would just, you know, cremate, you know, because a morgue or whatever. But what he would really do in actuality is do tests on them. <gasps> And on their organs All like and Frank stuff like that. Shit. So he would take people down there that were like near death and be like, oh, yeah, they're dead or like take them down there. And then he would do random shit on them. Yeah. And I will get to that later. That'll come back a little bit later. That'll come, especially that'll come with back. the haunted shit. Okay, yeah, that'll come back to haunt us. Yeah, literally. this is a lot of this is a lot of history. I'll probably edit some of this. Sorry. But a good example of this is that he even had his own parents there, or at least there was one um, one article that was talking about his parents being there, and he had them write a letter out to their other loved ones and children saying that they were now cured of their ailments and that they were going away, and nobody ever heard from his parents ever again. They did. Yeah. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, they, they were did. taken out in the morgue, and they were tested on. Ew. Uh, yeah, isn't it? That, that's crazy. That's so like American Horror Story season two. Yeah, uh-huh. So basically, in 1940, the only thing they could get him with were, uh, like, federal charges were filed against him for mail fraud. Because through mail, he would also send out these elixirs. Ah. So they got him for that, and he was put into Yale for four, or Yale. He was put into jail for four years. And, but the fucking bastard, he died on a yacht um, in 1958, just outside of Miami, Florida. He's living the dream. Yeah, I think he just had, like, some old sickness or something like that. I don't know. I think it wasn't an old man sickness. I forget what it was. He just like drank some elixirs and he's like, yeah. he like mixed with arsenic. I don't think he had, I don't think it was comfortable, but he did die on a fucking yacht in Miami, Florida. So he was comfy enough. Yeah, he's comfy enough. So after all that happened, the Crescent Hotel was left ownerless because he was gone. And in 1946, um, the Crescent Hotel was purchased by basically four businessmen who were like wealthy. And they basically just like, you know, refurbished the whole fucking thing, make it look like back to where it was a little bit and just like mm. make it look nice and hotel so they can just like start making money with it. Um, so it operated normally um, for many years. Then in March 15th of 1967, as a result of bad wiring, the penthouse and most of the fourth floor of the hotel caught fire. Shit. Um, after the fire, um, the place was then turned over to multiple different own owners until 1977 when Marty and Elise Rognick, Rognick, yeah. One of those. Purchased the Crescent Hotel for $1.3 They oversaw a six-year restor- restoration and renovation of the hotel rooms. Damn. They 100% were like, we are making this like the grand hotel that it was supposed to be. We are taking it back to the Victorian style yeah. um, that they were using, um, and we are making it look beautiful. 
and Marty, the husband, died in a car crash in 2009, and currently Elise remains the hotel's current owner. Okay, so sorry. Thank you for getting through that history. Let's get to the scary shit. Aside from like all the basic bitch stuff that we always talk about, you have orbs flying around, you have shadows flying around corners or at the corner of people's eyes, you have giggling and laughter and talking and banging. You I mean you have all that shit? You, you have know, banging. It's a banging. It's a fucking hotel. Like duh. There's banging. There's banging. Um, one of the most specific things is I forget what the room was, but there is a doctor that is prominent in the history that I didn't really go into, but he used to stay in the hotel and he used to smoke cherry uh, tobacco. And there is often, like most of the people that work there, um, and uh, and also patrons, they will smell this cherry tobacco. And it's actually really sweet, and it Spooky. brought me back to the days. I do like scented tobaccos. It actually really tastes really, it smells really fucking good. Tobacco like, smells like my childhood. If you have, me. like, real tobacco and not, like, cigarette shit. Yeah. And if it's flavored, too, it smells really good. That's true. That takes me back to 46. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it smells really fucking good. Also, another one, there's a lingering spirit of a nurse who is dressed in all white, and she's often seen pushing a gurney on the third floor. This girl on the third floor is only spotted after 11 p.m., and she, there is also women seeing, pushed, uh, seeing to be pushed gurneys in the basement, and Ugh. that is where the morgue was, Ew. where um, you know, fucking Baker dude was like you know, doing shit. his crazy shit. Yeah. Um, so the, the one on the third floor, though, you can see after 11 p.m., and most of the other sightings of nurses pushing dead bodies on gurneys is seen at multiple times during the day. Mm-hmm. Because when you go and if you go like currently, you can see um, when you do these like ghost tours, they the ghost tours end in the morgue. Oh, cool. And they even do, they shut off all the lights. Oh, yeah. I want to go. And then they'll like, one of the, one of the people will have like an EVP. Uh, going on or they'll just have like one of those little voice boxes even Ew. i hate those voice boxes they're so scary um or just they'll just have the like electromagnetic readers with them and stuff like that um they will also hear the instead of just seeing the apparitions go down the hallways they'll eat people will just hear squeaks of the <gasps> gurney you know how, like the little wheel wheels are like ee- yeah, that would be creepier. To that me. would be creepier. I don't know why that would just be creepier to me. Because you're laying there in like your that. bed and you just hear and you that, hear this... and it Fuck gets a little that. louder, and then it approaches your door, and then it goes away and it gets Fuck further that. away. Fuck, Fuck that. that. Ass and you're just no sitting mood. there at two a.m. just staring at the ceiling. Just yeah. like waiting for a demon to fuck your you. Creepy ass hotel room with a naked lady in the bathtub. Mm-hmm. That's creepy as hell. Mm-hmm. As I've said, uh, there's the basement to a hotel. Well, down there. Um, there is still Dr. Baker's old autopsy table, autopsy table, and also a walk-in freezer where they used to store dead bodies Ew. that he would do experiments on, Ew. and just body parts. Ew. Yeah. So yeah. So down there, and also in the recreation room, you can see uh, Dr. Baker dressed in a purple shirt and a white linen suit. That's fun. Um, he also looks very confused when you see him. Most of the time, people report that. And he also, like, just appeared, like, it, it's obviously him. Most people, like, there's old photos of him. Some are actually in the place itself. Ooh, that's and cool. And it just looks, ex- it, it's exactly, like, replica of him. It looks exactly like I wonder if you were all purple, if he was like, hey, he's He's ghost. like, hey, what's up? He's like, you like purple? I like purple. I like purple. <laughs> he's like, let me touch your dead body. Um, also, on the third floor. Um, there that is where the uh, laundry like stuff is. I don't know why it's not in the basement, but I guess because there's a fucking morgue down there. Or there yeah. wasn't. You don't like, want to do laundry ex-morgue. next to a dead body. 
Yeah. That's like laundry 101. That's true. <laughs> um, most of the time, though, they're, they're people, the workers will report that they'll come in and none of them, none of the things will turn on or they'll come into the room, the laundry room. Nothing will be on. And when they walk in a few seconds afterwards, everything turns on without <gasps> them even scary. touching it. That's scary. Because it's like rows of electronics turning on. Ugh. Ugh. Just Ew. how many ghosts are Just doing that. That noise. Fuck Ugh. that. Fuck that. That is a sensory overload. I've ever heard one. That's yeah. crazy. Uh-uh. Um, and there's a legend that comes from uh, one of the young female students who attended the Crescent College and Conservatory for Young Women. She scissored. Um, that's during, you know, that's like the first sort of break in between it being a hotel in the early 1900s. She looked puss. Um, so <laughs> she did. No, so according to the tale, the young girl either jumped from or was pushed from the balcony to her death. Oh, shit. Today, guest reports, hearing her screams as she falls, people just, like, literally wake up in the night if they're they're near where she fell off the balcony. They'll hear her screams. They'll hear her, hear her banging just, like, around on their roof or, Ew. like, hear her body fall on <gasps> their roof themselves, even though she didn't fall there. And if people are walking the grounds close to where she fell, they will immediately feel cold, dizzy, and sick. What was that? I don't know what that was okay so now let's go back to the morgue for like one of the the most like uh intense stories it's not the scariest but it's like the most involved so basically there's a time where the you know how like the tour ends and they go into the morgue and they turn off the lights yeah and they don't really hear like feel anything happen to them and nothing like exciting goes on so then the girl's like okay let's turn on the lights and then she shows everybody the um the tour guide she like shows everybody the freezer where he would keep the bodies and stuff like that um, that should not be there. Actually, I actually didn't rem- uh, say this, but during that time, other than those two, the t- his two parents disappearing, there was a report, like a specific report of 12 other people disappearing. <gasps> Just like never coming back. Like their relatives were like, yeah, they went there and that's the last time we heard of them. Fuck. So there's at least 14 people there that like technically were probably murdered or just like, he mutilated their bodies and hid them or Most something Most likely like while they were alive. Yeah. And they're believed to be buried on the grounds themselves. Ew. And we'll even get to that later. On top of an Indian burial ground. Yeah, on top of, yeah, like sacred Indian grounds. My God. So these, the tour guide's like, okay, cool. Well, I'll just show you this, like, you know, fucking place because nothing crazy has happened on this tour yet. Nobody said anything. Nobody's felt even dizzy. It's been like a very boring tour. What a boring tour. No one's yeah, dizzy yet. Fuck you, bitch. So she's like, hey, who wants to go into the freezer? Me. Um, and it doesn't work, I think. Um, she's matter. like, hey, he wants to go in the freezer and we'll shut the door and we'll leave you in there for a minute. Okay, never mind. Not oh they shut God, the door. Fuck that. Not so, um, it, so this is weird, but a woman and her 12 year old son are the only ones that say that they'll go in. So they go in and after I says they I said after about 30 seconds, <laughs> they open up chills. the door. And the second they open up the door, the boy just like runs out, but he's super like, you know, um, disoriented. And then he runs over and throws up. Ew. Um, yeah. So what they say happened is that they went into this, into the freezer and while they're standing there, they're trying to take pictures to, like, see anything that's going on. Oh, God. And I know, right? It's not as scary, though, as you expect. So the guy, the boy says that as he was trying to take a picture and he was, like, holding up the digital camera in front of him, an orb appeared, uh, multiple orbs appeared around him. And one particularly went, like, shone brighter than the others, and it went in between the camera and his face. And then the mother says that the orb entered into the <gasps> his, his, the son's forehead stayed in there for a bit 
and then came back out. And when <gasps> it came back out, immediately she said that like the son got super sick and scared Ew. and that's at the exact moment that the girl opened up like the, the tour guide opened up the uh, whatever you call it the uh, door the, the door Bridge, the and so door. the dude just like runs out and runs out and like throws up or something Ew. like that yeah it was, it was disgusting see when he first started telling the story i imagined like every time he flashed like <gasps> in know. the flash like there was decrepit bodies there. Yeah, yeah like like that you know the sound when you take like a um, like a, a Polaroid picture. Yeah, it's like, yeah, uh-huh. like that. Uh, oh, I hate that shit. That would be oh my god, good I'm gonna talk about that later because I saw a movie uh, like within the past week. It's so good. Does I'll it have a that. moment like that? Yes. Okay, I'll get to that. Because I was just about to say, I'm like, that's such a movie moment. I can't think of a uh-huh. movie that and has it's so like fucking that. scary, and it's so effective, even though you know it's coming. It's mm. still fucking scary. Cool. So there's apparently this other ghost in room 419. Her name is Theodora. So close to 420. Come I know, on, right? Theodora. God, girl. Move over, bitch. Dumb bitch. She's like, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> Basically, visitors report uh, who stay in the room. They report hearing someone fumbling for their keys outside the door. Others have even claimed that their be- belongings appeared to be reorganized. And Theodore has even reportedly packed their visitors' bags and put them by the door, hinting that she wants them to fucking leave. I'm like, I think I'm leaving. That would be the most terrifying. I'd be like, yes, girl, I'm gone. I'm like, like I'm fine, sorry. bitch. It's your room. I'm sorry, bitch. Like, I am gone. Um, so yeah, so sorry there isn't like anything super scary. I'm gonna get to another coo- another uh, couple cool like more in depth stories, but this one just mostly doesn't have scary things going on. It's just haunted. I mean, like if it happened to you, of course it's gonna be scary and yeah. creepy as fuck. But like hearing it as a story, nothing is is like demonic or dark or scary. Most of these ghosts just seem to be mischievous or lost or it's whatever. It's like what you would act like if you were a ghost. Exactly. Yeah. So um, one is fun. You'll think this is fun. One is uh, one of the biggest uh, ghosts there is called Morris the Cat. Um, <gasps> and from 1973, to, uh, he, I think he was alive and he was like a big mascot for the plate, like for the Crescent Hotel from 1973 to 1994. Um, he was named after the orange tabby who starred in the advertisements for the Nine Lives cat food at the time. Oh, cute. Um, so he was like a, a very big part of the cat. A very, very big part of the Crescent Hotel and also the staff. He had his own little cat flat that they would, that they called it where he lived. And he even like was so apart that he became a general manager by the hotel staff. Damn. Like literally they just like made him a, like a funny general manager. That's funny. Um, There is even still a portrait of him that hangs in the hotel lobby. Um, And there's also a memorial plaque right by it with a poem that is, that talks about the cat himself. Oh. Um, so Morris is also buried out in the back of the hotel in a flower bed just be but just beyond like the main you know the main hotel itself. Uh, um, however, uh, Morris's spirit um, is said to roam roam the place. The most biggest sightings of him is that most people will while they're on tour feel that a cat has brushed by their legs oh. and look down and not see anything. That's my this fantasy. is this is so prevalent that like if it doesn't happen people are su- like the tour guides are surprised and it happens it happens so like frequently in the tour that mo- like somebody will be like, "Oh, oh my god, like a cat just passed by." And then somebody else in the tour will be like, "Oh my god, it just happened to me like 5 seconds ago too." Oh. Yeah, isn't that so cute? I would probably start crying. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. I was thinking, I was like, oh, is this going to, like, trigger Chana or make her feel happy? It's fine. Know. I have Xanax oh. on hand. But, yeah, they'll also, like, hear hear meows and, and, oh, and stuff like that. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah, He's so a little general this, manager. Uh-huh, there's a little general manager. He was like, Mr. Manager. orange cat just running around. Just doing his own shit. Uh-huh. It's so cute. Mr. Manager. Uh-huh. Oh, there's also uh, a story of... 
the one of the people who just worked there for a long time and she uh, there were two other cats that are currently there during her time that were alive and they all of a sudden start freaking out not in a super negative way but just a like what like we're stimulated what the fuck simone every day yeah and so they just started freaking out a little bit and she turned uh she turned down to look at them and we're like, hey, are y'all okay? And she was sitting down. And when she did that, she felt something jump into her lap. And she looked down and it wasn't, she thought it was the cat, but it was got, nothing was there. Okay, so um, our final sort of little story is that the most cited apparition besides Morris the cat or just like the most felt presence is that of a Irish stoneman. So I, I mentioned earlier how they literally got a like famous company Architect? of yeah. irish stonemen from oh, okay. ireland they like literally imported them they were like hey come here and work here to build this place okay so one of them um it, his name is dubbed he's dubbed michael they're not sure if that his is his actual name but he's believed to be the first ghost of crescent hotel cool so the OG. Um, yeah yeah the original ghost the og ghost of crescent hotel so while he was working on the roof and doing his stonework, he lost his balance and fell to the second floor area and was killed. So I think he was probably on the fourth floor or like, you know, the penthouse floor and then fell down, you know, three stories to his death. Um, hit this area where he fell, though, because the place was being built, he actually fell into what is now a room. <laughs> <gasps> Shit, um, and that's room, cool. Yeah, it's room 218 of the hotel. Um, and this is supposed to be the most haunted guest room of the place. We're going. Now, this place is known to have a lot of other apparitions and stuff going on where it is like dubbed that. I think there's about 400 rooms and ev- there's supposed to be a ghost for every room. Like, that's cool. Like, I think that's more of a saying, but whatever. That's cool. Um, so Michael is often being heard pounding loudly on the walls. Ugh, that That's scary. That's um, your worst nightmare, Corey. That is my worst nightmare <laughs> is somebody pounding on my walls when I'm trying to Ooh, sleep. Like your closet my, from, from our old place we lived from, at? Yeah, the oh, old place. God. So others have witnessed hands coming out of the bathroom mirror <gasps> and even heard cries of what sounded like a man falling on their ceiling <gasps> as they were sleeping. Ew. Um, yeah, other guests have been shaken during the night by an apparition. And on one occasion, and I think this is like a real thing. One man uh, ran screaming from the room and pers- that, and he professed to have seen blood splattered all over the walls. <gasps> We're going. Yeah, that is creepy as fuck. We but have yeah, to there, go. Th- this gets a little bit deep. Um, the other ghost that I mentioned that would pack up the bags, people like that try and sleep there will get like woken up hourly by her. Hourly. That, that is creepy. I'm get, like they will literally see like a shadow figure of her because it's dark in the room. Like. Like, hey, like, wait, like, you know, like sh- shaking their shoulder. Get out! And, no, no, she's not. And she's not even trying to be evil, but it's obviously scary. Yeah. Fuck yeah. And she's packing up your bags. She, that bitch wants you but, out. Yeah. She will like uh, she will like shake the bed or shake you yourself. And that's, and that's room 419, not 420. Yeah. That's, yeah. 419. Good job, girl. Um, um, but yeah, the Michael is is the the most like famous of the entire. Uh, I want to go. The cat is in the Crescent Hotel. But I yeah, think. you can just it, that's disgusting. Just like pounding on the walls. Ugh, I love that's it. That's disgusting. That's cool. Yeah, but that's the Crescent Hotel. Sorry, it wasn't scary, scary. But it's a classic but haunting. It's fun. Yeah, and usually that's why I have been avoiding hotels is because most of them really aren't scary. They're just super classic. Like we've all heard. You know, somebody shaking you awake or like an apparition standing at the end of the bed. The pounding on the or wall. Or just pounding on walls. Like it's creepy. It would be scary as fuck if it happened to you. Yeah. But like it's not as scary as like, you know, the fucking Sally house where like a demon was scratching <gasps> some guy's back. You know, <gasps> shit like Or that. 
the Black Eyed Children. Ew, the stop. scariest episode. It's disgusting. I'm every time I think about it every day. Yep, every day. That episode is horrifying me. <laughs> I, I love it. it. I think my favorite part about this hotel is that a cat is like the number one ghost. Isn't that cute? The yeah. cat's like meow. Uh huh. And then some old Irishman dude. Poor dude. He like fell three stories doing right? that. Okay, so last thing, totally almost forgot. So the last thing about um, Dr. Baker and how he was doing test subjects and doing these weird experiments, they literally on like February 2nd of this year, uh, a gardener was just doing gardening and hit some uh, glass and broke it in the dirt. And they found like over 200 bottles (gasps) of like human specimen stuff <gasps> in jars what of like fuck? formaldehyde and shit like spit. um they Ew. haven't released exactly what they they have they released a picture but they haven't released exact details because they're supposed to in later in june of this year i think june 1st or june 2nd they're going to release like a little bit a little museum of it in this hotel itself but they literally like excavated the whole place and found over 200 jars with human specimen in holy it. fuck yeah isn't that fucking crazy? That's American Horror Story season one. Exactly. Yeah. We've been talking a lot about American Horror Story. Yeah. Today. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of like little illusions. Uh, That's to crazy. It. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh huh. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's let's get sad. All right, everybody. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so happy to be back to doing fun supernatural shit. <laughs> yeah, you're well. You're you're Instead lucky. Instead of being sad, you're a lucky all the time, one. I was a lot more happy. Yeah, I I thought of that when I was doing Ted Bundy and like when you were reacting the way you were, I was like, uh-huh. oh man, I was like, I was like, am I sad all the time? <laughs> I'm sorry, Chana. I love the true crime stuff. Y'all, Chana takes a hit every week but for this like is... multiple days and hours. But this is what I grew up on. Like I That's true. grew up. I like went to I my sleeping show yeah. was any ID channel show. But and that that's fine. It that does that stuff doesn't make me sad because I feel like removed. So like hearing if I listen to our podcast and I listen to your same mix, it would make me a little sad, but it would wouldn't be super lasting. But to like sit there and read an entire book and then yeah. study for like fifteen hours about it. That's neat. It's just too much. Well, I cried. And then look at those girls' faces. God damn. Yeah, the Ted Bundy stuff. That's so sad. And like even today's segment, like I cried. Like the last thing I talked about, like I sat there and I cried for five minutes. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. Well, there's well, growing up when I was watching ID channel with my mom, like kudos to my mom because she's the whole reason why I'm hyper aware yeah. of every situation i'm in ever yeah um but there's only one id channel thing that has haunted me for probably about 10 years was it the parasite episode <laughs> not the parasite episode Corey. but i mentioned that to my grand i talked to my grandpa about that oh, you did i was like grandpa i was like do you remember like falling asleep during a parasite tv show because Corey watched it the same time i did uh-huh. and that's like why we're best friends yeah but no, there's this ID channel episode, and I don't. Th- I've I've always wanted to do a whole true crime segment on it, Ooh. but it happened so long ago, and it was just like you know a random family got murdered, so it's not big enough news to be easily found on the internet. Uh-huh. But um, this little boy heard his parents get like brutally, brutally murdered, and the and he got really scared, and he went under his bed to hide because no. he didn't know what to do. And he was looking at his door and like the hallway light was on and he just saw the silhouette of the man and he was wearing an alligator costume, at least because the kid was only six years old. And so he said a giant alligator came and murdered his family. And the alligator guy stood in the silhouette of his door frame, stared down at the little boy, like directly at him and then decided and just left. That's scarier than anything I've said on this podcast. And then after 
um, you know, X amount of minutes, a little boy ran to his parents and be like, an alligator man just tried to take me, like, help parents. He walked in and his parents with their brains blown out, like, against their headboard. That's more disturbing than anything I've said on this podcast. That has haunted me every day. Holy for shit. About, I want to say about 12 years. I... I don't know how you survive after that. Yeah. Like, okay. My mom and I were like, I need channel. Yay. We're like, I will probably sleep with the lights on tonight because of just that. Yeah. Like it's horrified me and I've wanted to make it a real segment because it traumatized me so much, but I don't think I could ever really find it again. Cause uh-huh. it was just like a one forty hours mystery or something. Ooh. Have you, um, have you looked down our new hallway? No, it, I've only been to your house like three times. Shit. You haven't looked down towards my room. Is it, is it scary? It's just a long hallway, and you know what it reminds me of every time? That fucking moment in The Conjuring 2 where the little girl, the, the daughter of, of fucking Ed and Lorraine Warren, looks down the hallway and sees fucking Valak. And then, oh, yeah. God, Corey. Every time I walk out of my bathroom, I'm like, fuck me, fuck I'm going to get me. you the painting of Valak. No. <laughs> I was going to go to your house. I would like it, but I would, like, put it outside. I'm going to go to your house while you're at work and, like, nail it somewhere no. in your house. <laughs> oh, my God. I I would like that. You know, um, Brett? Yeah. I would he, love for him to do a painting of that. He did I a would, painting of that. Oh, he did? He sold it, like, a year ago. Oh, man. I would, like, buy it, but I would, like, not even keep – I would, like, keep it at your house. <laughs> Fuck you, Corey. I keep it in my storage unit. I'll yeah, haunt my storage yeah, yeah. <gasps> We should get one for the warehouse. <gasps> no! <laughs> Jump cut, y'all. Jump cut in your minds to the storage unit where there's l- loud banging. Yeah, where, like, my metal door is shaking it's like right now. shaking right now. Because my, we, my uh, pentagram table is there right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's get on topic. <laughs> so now you know about my horrors, my, tra- my trauma. God damn. Okay, so let's jump into my true crime segment. Yeah. So my true crime segment is way less horrifying than my ID channel trauma that I shared with you. Which I will eventually, for the for the life of me, make that a true crime segment in the future because it's so horrifying. The alligator man, like yeah. it is, like if you call my mom right now and you're like the alligator man, she'd be like, She's "Fuck like, you!" What the fuck? Because <laughs> we like are afraid of it to this day. But anyways, mine is about Mikkel Briggs. Mikkel. So this is the disappearance of Mikkel Briggs, which is relatively unknown for millennial standards because there's not a Wikipedia article nope. about it. So, I mean, I'm practically Basically giving you... Basically, it doesn't exist. Yeah, this doesn't exist. I'm uh. making it up as I go. No, I'm not making it up. This is a real thing. <laughs> so, Mikkel Biggs was an 11-year-old girl in Mesa, Arizona. Mikkel was the oldest child of four. She was happy, energetic, kind, patient. She played the clarinet. When oh, she I wanted to grow up, she wanted to be a Disney animator. She was an amazing drawer. she Mormon? You know what? She's in band. I think these people are Mormon. Yeah, and she likes Disney. There That's is Mormon. a Mormon later in the story, but they showed like a faraway vi- like image of the church they go to. That's canon. During her like funeral thing, and I was like, oh my god, I think they're Mo. Mm-hmm. And like just the way they all dress, I'm like, I think they're Mo. Yep. So she's and, in band and she likes Disney. Yeah, she's probably Mo. I don't know. I, I'm gonna say she's Mo for yeah. the sake of the story. So she loved her parents, Tracy and Darian, and her sister Kimber, who was nine. Her brother, Nathaniel, who was four, and her baby sister, Linnell, who was one. So mm-hmm. they had, like, a big classic Mormon family since now we're just assuming That's, like, a Mormon. lot of different names, too. That's a good that's a good array of names, actually. Kimber, Nathaniel, Linnell. Yeah. Mikkel. Yeah. 
So they lived in a safe neighborhood filled with friends, kids, etc. You know, this is the classic 90s cul-de-sac that you're imagining right uh, now. Like you ride your bike to your friend's I house. I literally lived in a 90s cul-de-sac. Yeah, exactly. Ladybug. Like, like you're just imagine your childhood and this is what it was. You know, you felt safe. You felt comfortable. You just ride your bike to your friend's house, watch cartoons and Play eat Pokemon. Captain Crunch. Like this is the 90s we're talking about. So on January 2nd, 1999, so this is the day after New Year's, uh, Mikkel and her sister Kimberly were playing outside just a few houses away from their own house. It was around 6 p.m. that night, so around dusk. The streetlights started turning on. I'm mm-hmm. setting the scene for you. Now, Mikkel was riding her sister's pink and white uh, bike, and she was carrying quarters given to her by their mom um, so they could... Uh, get ice cream from the ice cream truck because they heard the ice cream truck jingle that we all mm-hmm. can hear in our heads right now. Yeah, Corey's twerking. His ice cream truck experience is very different from mine. <laughs> so, Those are my favorite vines. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so they're waiting for the ice cream truck, riding bikes, classic 90s childhood event. Um, so Mikkel was riding my bike and she was doing big circles, Kimber recalled later on in an interview. Mm-hmm. Um, when I said, well, I'm cold. I'm going inside, Corey. Um, <laughs> so I am safe. <laughs> so <laughs> Corey's not getting I'm kidnapped. I'm cold. Bye, bitch. <laughs> yeah. Corey's like, I'm bye. Or I'm, I'm cold. Bye. <laughs> yeah, I'm the friend on the bike goes, yeah. <laughs> we go inside. So Corey, a.k.a. Kimber, was like, when, I'm, when I said, well, I'm cold. I'm going inside. <laughs> and, you know, I crossed the street. And I remember I looked and I saw her riding, still doing big circles in the street. Oh. And that was the last time I ever saw her. No. So Kimber walked home. This is about, you know, a 25 second walk, a 30 second walk. She left her sister alone. They're in the cul-de-sac. In the cul-de-sac. Where their house is. Yes. See? She can see her front door from where she is. I have gone and ridden bikes in my cul-de-sac in the 90s where my house is with an ice cream man. Yeah. So this is, we all can relate. So Kimber walked home. She left her sister alone. She got inside and she was like, mom, like Kimber wants us to wait for the ice cream man. The mom's like, no, go get Kimber and tell her to come inside. Um, so at this point, they've been apart for maybe maybe 60 seconds. So maybe a minute. So Kimber immediately turned around, walked outside. And she said, um, so I turned around. I walked to the end of the driveway and I just yelled. I looked both ways down the road to see where she was riding and I didn't see her at all. At this point, it was kind of dusk and I looked down to the road and I saw something in the road but I didn't know what it was. So I started to walk toward it, towards it, and I realized it was my bike. At that point, I didn't totally know something was wrong, she says. It was a very eerie, eerie feeling, almost twilight zone. It didn't feel totally real. So as Kimber walked towards her bike, um, which, again, was only four houses away from her own house, you could see mm-hmm. the front door from where the bike was. Damn. She noticed that the, bike t- that the back tire of the bike was still spinning, and the quarters that Mikkel were, was holding were thrown on the sidewalk. This is 90 seconds no. after she walked away from Mikkel. Was it the motherfucking ice cream? A man? minute and a half. She is just saw cream... her sister. They were apart for, again, let me reiterate this, 90 seconds. Holy shit. One minute, Mikkel was there. And literally the next minute, she was gone. So what our parents have told us that we thought was an exaggeration is just exact literal fact. Yes. We can disappear like, (laughs) like that. Holy shit. The thing that sticks out most in my mind about the day is the bike in the road. Kimber explained, you know, it was on one side. The tire was still spinning. 
Um, Kimber ran home and she told her mom immediately. She's like, mom, Kimber's fucking gone. It's been a minute and a half since I last saw her. Kimber's mom was immediately alarmed and she called the police. Within 30 minutes, oh shit! helicopters were flying over the city of Mesa in Arizona. Over 1,000 volunteers gathered to look for her. Every officer was there interviewing leads, neighbors, family. News stations were reporting. The media was in a frenzy. Yellow ribbons were being tied around trees, etc. So normal. This is the opposite of what you usually say. Yeah. Normally, I'm like, police were like, she just ran away. But this. (laughs) Police are like, no, we have bowling tonight. Yeah. But instead, within 30 minutes, over a thousand people were looking for her. Holy shit. Within 30 minutes. 30 minutes. Now, police knew they only had 72 hours to find her because this classic statistic with kidnappings is you find it within 72 72 hours hours. or you're looking for a body. Mm -hmm. That's just what it is. So the pressure was on with the police. The problem was there is absolutely no physical evidence except her bike in her quarters. That was it. Did they check the quarters for fingerprints? Um, so police detective Steve Barry said this one, um, this one immediately was different from the get go. It was different. No one had seen anything. She just simply seemed to be gone without a trace. So question. Yeah. Was, was there an ice cream man? Was the ice cream truck there and then gone? So we'll get through that later. Okay. 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 Uh, So that's going to go into like the tips and leads section I have. Okay. Okay. But to answer that quickly, no, not that we know of. Okay. Maybe someone played the song. So like, just like the, the part. Oh shit. Yeah. Oh, you know, that reminds me of that urban legend where like killers will play sounds of babies crying. Ew. So that women go and answer the door. Ew. 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 And then, and then have you heard about that? I'm drinking champagne in response. Have you heard about that? That's a real thing. I was told that once at a sleepover, and I was like, what the fuck is this world that Girl, we live in? <laughs> I'll tell you. The world's gross. Yeah, the world's gross. Since you experienced true crime research for Ted Bundy, Ew. you not realize how gross the world is. The, gro- the world's gross. <laughs> okay, so continuing on, um, volunteers and police officers went literally house to house, Ooh. knocked on every door, talked to every single neighbor, street to street. They looked everywhere, which yeah. is the opposite in the majority of kidnapping true crime cases. They were looking at every single person, everybody, because they, they were at a complete loss. Now, a close family friend remembered walking down alleyways and checking dumpsters for Mikkel's body with her dad. Oh. Um, he described the moment as one of the most traumatizing experiences he's ever gone through. This is the first night she was gone. Mm-hmm. Just imagine that. Let me just let, let me take you out of the moment for one second. Now imagine whether it's your child or your best friend, your pet, your loved one, your mom, whoever you have a really close relationship with. Imagine one minute they're there, everything's fine. The next minute they're gone. And three hours later, you're looking in a dumpster for their body. Like the mom's just probably in there just like cooking dinner. Literally. Yeah. She's making spaghetti and meatballs. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Like, it, this this story is my greatest childhood fear Damn, in a nutshell. This is exactly every parent's fear. Yeah. So, sorry, parents. This is not a podcast for you shit. right now. So, the next morning, uh, Messe, Messe, Mese, wait. Messi. How do you say Mesa? Mesa. Mesa. There we go. It's Mesa, Arizona. Yeah. I'm so used to Game of Thrones. I'm like, Misa. (laughs) Misa, Khaleesi, Arizona. (laughs) So the next morning, Mesa detective Jerry Gazelle, um, or Giselle, Gizzle. Giselle. (laughs) It's Giselle. It's Giselle. Giselle. Enchanted is the most underrated Uh, Disney movie of all time. I watched it for the first time with Channa. 
It's so good. It's so good. It's so good. It's good. Yeah. Anyways, so Mesa <laughs> Detective Jerry Gazelle. Giselle. He got the news. He was Mormon. Lol. So this was confirmed. Lol. He is Mormon. There are Mormons. Like he literally, like the documentary panned in on, like zoomed on in on the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints plaque uh, on the church. That's so sad. So he was Fuck. Mormon. This is the main detective. Um, he dropped off his family at church. He went to the scene. And that's when he started reenacting the events with Kimber, the daughter who was with um, Mikkel. Um, that's when they realized that it took exactly 90 seconds uh, for the kidnapping to take place because she turned around, walked into her house, and by the time she came back and started looking, it was 90 seconds. Um, so if this person who took her was literally 10 seconds off, they would have been stopped or spotted. Yeah. So it was the most perfect timing that could possibly exist on this planet like that for person her to was disappear. Sitting and waiting. Now, her, since her bike was found with the wheel still spinning in two quarters um, next to her bike, detectives were able to determine that Mikkel was on her bike when someone started to come after her. And so she jumped off her bike to run to her house because her house was less than 15 seconds away. Her house, she could see her front door. She could see her mom she through the like window. She was almost literally in the driveway. She was right there when she was snatched I'm up I'm like literally taken. just picturing my childhood home and yeah. me just like right there you're trying to run away you're sprinting for your life and then just some demonic figure jumps out of the darkness puts his hand around your mouth oh my pulls God. you back puts you into a car and drives away it was obvious by the quarters in the bike that this was a very quick and aggressive abduction shit now Mikkel's parents described the first 72 hours as if they were walking in a dream quote unquote because it didn't feel real to them how could their 11-year-old little girl disappear without a trace in 90 seconds? 72 hours passed, and there was still no sign and no new information about her disappearance. How old is she again? 11. Fuck. So the members of the Biggs family all reacted differently. So Kimber, she was the sister who last saw Mikkel. She was scared to sleep by herself, scared that the bad man was going to take her. She was only nine. She would be afraid to sleep next to the window. And also she blamed herself for the disappearance of Mikkel because she was the last one who stopped her. Maybe if she didn't get grumpy because it was cold and stayed with Mikkel, she wouldn't have been kidnapped. Maybe if she just, you know, waited a few more seconds. Or maybe if she just brought her mom outside to say, like, Mikkel, come in for dinner. She went through in total six years of very intense guilt and depression. She was oh. nine years old. So her entire childhood was completely absorbed. Like, it's my fault. I left her. I should have told her to come in. Yeah. All that I shit. would feel it's a human reaction. It's a, such a natural yeah. human reaction. Mm -hmm. It's so sad. Um, and during this time, while Kimber was feeling all those emotions, she had to step up to be the parent because her parents were busy spending every moment looking for Mikkel. So Kimber had to step up and be the parent for Nathaniel and Linnell. She had to be the strong one, even though every day she cried herself to sleep but was too afraid to sleep. Now, Nathaniel and Linnell, so Nathaniel was only four at the time. Linnell was only one, so they were too young to really comprehend what was going on. Nathaniel would cry all the time, asking for his big sister. Oh. But um, he, not, he didn't really understand. He was too young to really get a grasp of what's going on. Um, when they would explain to him that bad men took her away, he would always say, well, I hope that she's just having fun with them, like things like that, because he was only four. He didn't know. It just didn't evil didn't exist yet. The evil didn't exist yet yeah. yeah now tracy who is the mom um she would spend hours in mikkel's room just crying and sitting on her bed Damn. um she knew 
and just the depths of her soul and heart that her daughter was dead. She just knew it. Damn. Like every ounce of her being just said she's dead. Um, she described it as a quote unquote gut wrenching feeling. She just knew. <laughs> See, we were having fun, Jenna. We were having fun. <laughs> we this were having fun. And now we're not. <laughs> So No, I'm still having fun. This is actually really interesting. So Darian or Darren, it's spelled both ways in like multiple articles. Darian. So I'm gonna say Darian because yeah. of Sailor Moon. So yeah. there we go. Um so Darian was the dad. He couldn't even walk towards Mikkel's room. That's uh, so interesting. That reminds me of critical role too. Because there's so? Darian Tar- Darian, whatever. Yeah, it's fine. Continue, sorry. So but yeah, it's just interesting to me how you see the way people handle grief differently yeah because the mom would sit in her room while the dad couldn't even walk towards the room and the mom was so sad but the dad was just enraged he oh. was just filled with fire because he was so angry that someone could take and hurt his little yeah, girl he can't change he can't do anything about yeah exactly it. and it was his in his um he was continually getting more irritated because the media and police were constantly knocking on his door he like this his the entire family had no privacy to even grieve in peace because the media it was a huge frenzy this was the biggest case that arizona has ever seen yeah so like every step they took every single second a photographer was there someone was there they're interrupting the grieving period so he in response to that just became angrier and angrier and angrier um so the case eventually so after the 72 hours it went from who kidnapped Mikkel Briggs to who killed Mikkel Briggs. Now they had in total over 10,000 leads, 10,000 leads or tips from people around the entire country. One of the first major leads they got was someone who emailed Tracy and Darian, who were the parents of Mikkel. They said, Hey, I have your daughter. I'm going to kill her. Or like, Hey, I already have your daughter. Like I just killed her. Police were able to track the email back to a 12-year-old boy who just wanted to be a Fuck troll. Fuck that 12-year-old boy. He should go to jail. He, well, there's actually like laws in place now, depending what state you're in, where you do go to jail for something yeah. like that. Fuck that boy. Um, now, they also, this is a fun little fact, they had a bunch of psychics call and explain locations where they think her body was. Ah, fuck them. Um, One of the psychics even flew out and they brought detectives to a location in the desert where they dug for her body, but they didn't find anything. So when asked by interviewers in the future, like, why did you listen to psychics? You know, the the common thing about serial killers is like, or not serial killers, but murderers in general, is they like to revisit the scene and see what evidence police know. Or they eventually feel uh, guilt, so they try to help investigations. So any tip that was being um, pushed towards the police, t- towards the detectives, they would take. So if a detect, so if a psychic called and they're like, "I think she's buried in the desert," and they're like, "I'm a psychic," they'll go with it because maybe it's not a psychic. Yeah. Maybe it's a it's the murderer. Maybe it is a psychic. Maybe they'll solve the crime. And also, like the biggest point to make right here is the police were desperate. They're yeah. so desperate to find Damn. anything of her because she disappeared in 90 seconds. So they searched across every everywhere, everything, everything you can imagine. The desert, the mountains, abandoned mine shafts, dump sites, Ugh, mine shafts. every Ugh. city and town in Arizona. They even drained multiple lakes to try to find her body. What the fuck? Are you kidding me? Nothing. Damn. Absolutely nothing was find was found. Now, they interviewed every single ice cream truck driver or owner in the area that the night, if they were close to the area that she was um, missing, like the night of she was missing. Those leads went nowhere. They didn't find anything. No one was even in her neighborhood. They all had alibis. 
clean completely. So like technically there shouldn't have been an ice cream man there. Yeah, there shouldn't they shouldn't have even heard the ice cream song. Fuck. So this became the biggest investigation in Arizona's history. That's creepy. There's not even a Wikipedia article about it. It's insane. Finally, they thought they had a break in the case when they discovered that a month prior to Mikkel's disappearance, a girl that was the same exact age was attacked by an older man less than two miles away from Mikkel's home. The man jumped in front of the little girl, the 11-year-old girl, and tried to grope her and grab her. Uh, but the girl start, kicked him in the balls and started screaming, and he ran away. Um, she came up with a composite sketch of the man, and they released it to the public. But to this day, they have not found the guy to Fuck. that sketch. Um, and they still believe that who he is, whoever that guy is, that he could still be the guy that kidnapped Mikkel. Because yeah. it's just too coincidental. What that. year was this again? Um, this is 1999. Nine. So police then pulled records of sex offenders who lived within a mile radius of Mikkel's, Mikkel's house. And this is when they found out a fucking crazy amount of sex offenders lived right near her. <laughs> like fuck? a crazy amount. <laughs> so there are websites in, in California where I grew up. It's oh called God. Megan's Law, like dot com. Yeah. Where you type in your address and it like shows you all the dots near you of sexual predators. Yeah. I'm not sure where it is or what the website is for the state you live in or the country you uh -huh. live in or whatever. Um, but in specifically McHale's area in Arizona, um, they typed in her address. They found a list of all the sex offenders, and there is a fuckload, all within a mile radius of her house. A mile. <laughs> the computer screen just crashes, and it says fuckload. Yeah, <laughs> <Run>. literally. <laughs> now, when all the neighbors found out, they created a nightly watch program and basically went around harassing sex offenders. And they were like, oh, hey, like. Oh, this is where the, like, mom mentality starts. Yeah, so fuck. they were like, hey, like, if you, we're in this neighborhood. If you seem suspicious, like, we're going to report you to 911. Now, one neighbor in particular was heavily involved with this. So part-time landscaper and part-time handyman, D, his name was D. Blalock. He lived across the street from where Mikkel took piano lessons and a few doors down from where Mikkel's best friend lived. Um, he became heavily involved with the night watch, the anti-sex offender night watch, pretty mm -hmm. much. Um, there's even a video recording of him at one of the meetings where you can see him and hear him say in quotes, if you're, if you're my neighbor and I see that you're living next to me and I see something suspicious going on, I guarantee you I'll be calling 911. Now, this is the same neighbor who showed up to Mikkel's vigil and she, he was blackout drunk and extremely disruptive during it. Oh. But people just thought like, oh, he's just like a drunk neighbor. Um, but I'm going to get back to that later. So put a pin in his name. Fuck him. D. Blanlock. So police, they then started turning their attention, their focus on Mikkel's dad. Now, side note off of this, this is pretty standard for murder cases. Yeah. Like if someone's murdered or goes missing, the first people you look at is their family, family. and loved ones. Yep. And so it's pretty, it's like the natural next next step because for them to make. Because it's a big percentage that it's them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, originally, Mikkel's father said that he was working later. That was his old alibi. It's like, I was working late. But then he changed the story and told police that he was actually at a friend's house aka girlfriends but you know he didn't oh. want to get caught cheating probably so the change of his alibi prompted police to start investigating him so they gave him lie detectors you know polygraph tests voice stress analysis psychiatric tests everything to see if he was capable of committing a crime especially being like a sex offender or if he was guilty of the crime uh, now this just made the dad 
angrier and angrier, angrier and less cooperative. Because if you remember earlier when I said he was being bombarded by media and police already, yeah. like they didn't even have time to be a family and grieve because suddenly like media is knocking on his door and then suddenly police are like, wait, we think you might be responsible for it. Yeah. And then shit, like if he was like, you know, off with some girl cheating. Yeah. Imagine like the immense guilt that comes from that. Yeah, exactly. There's like. Just like shit, if I wasn't on top of just like destroying my family and betraying my wife, if I wasn't doing this, I could have been there. Yeah, exactly. And my daughter would have been okay. There's so many layers Fuck. to his anger. Like, I get it. I get why he's so angry. Yeah. Um, now, um, so he failed every single lie detector test. And every single voice stressor test. Now, if you're familiar with true crime cases, polygraphs and stuff, they don't hold up in court. They don't. Because if you're experiencing... Yeah, anymore. But if you're experiencing any form of emotion that will affect a polygraph... So when, you know, he's extremely angry, that's going to affect the polygraph. So it's not 100% accurate. Um, So... But however, at this point, he did become a strong lead, even though he was failing the test. And experts were like, well, yeah, he's failing the test because he's angry. Police were still like, well, he's the only thing we got. We're going to have to go after him. <laughs> he's always ang- he's the Hulk. <laughs> yeah. Like like we we're we're desperate. <laughs> so um, they started conducting surveillance of him like 24 seven for surveillance. Um, now, he found out about it because there was a car following him all the time. And this made him even angrier. And so now, like, you have all of these layers of him becoming so angry and he didn't trust the police anymore because he felt like all of the police's resources are going into him. Yeah. When he knew he didn't kill oh, his I would be daughter. Pissed. I'd be pissed. Yeah, just imagine like, a living You were expending baby. resources to not look for my daughter and to suspect me? What the fuck? Yeah, right? Yeah. So they eventually removed him from the lead list when they decided that Mikkel's crime scene pointed to her running from someone because he, she yeah, was she, his dad, she or she was her dad. dad. Yeah. So he could be like, Mikhail, get in the car. And she'd be like, okay, dad, like, whatever. Chill. So the crime scene didn't really match um, the father because he didn't need an abductor. They also checked to see if he could even fit in the time frame of disappearance, like drive home from his girlfriend's house, pick her up, kill her, hide the body, and then show up at his family's house within, you know, a few minutes essentially and they realized it just wasn't possible yeah so they ruled him out as a lead because it just wasn't possible at all now two years passed before they had another break in the case Fuck. so remember the neighbor i mentioned earlier d yeah. blalock so we're going to talk about him again he was arrested this is two years after she disappeared he was arrested for brutally beating and raping his neighbor susan blennett Detectives described the beating as one of the most violent and gruesome beatings they've ever seen in their career. Susan lived and was able to testify against Dee Blalock. So the night that this happened, Susan came home and she found Dee hiding behind her fridge with his pants completely pulled down. He ran towards her, twisted her arm behind her back, threw her to the floor, and violently raped her. What? And then he tried snapping her neck three times and on one of the times he was successful in breaking it he then kicked her in the face and her face actually went like concave like concaved yeah because he she he beat her so violently he then lit lit her kitchen on fire and left her there to die in the fire Fuck. somehow she lived because she's a badass bitch yeah 
And when he left and she kind of came to and was conscious again, she called 911. When the paramedics came and picked her up and was driving her to the hospital, she had this revelation. She said to the paramedics, Mikkel Biggs, he killed Mikkel Biggs. You need to get him. What the fuck? Because she realized that he was capable of such horrific crimes. Now, deep. Her kitchen was on fire. Her face was concaved in. She was raped. And she still was able to get up and fucking call 911. Yes. Holy shit. Can we talk about that Go for a girl. second? She's like more <laughs> badass than any of us will ever be. Yeah. So D. Blalock, he had three prior convictions in other states for, are you ready for this? Yeah. Now, just to remind you, how old was Mikkel when she was kidnapped? 11. She was a child, right? Yeah. Okay. He was convicted in other states for child molestation, kidnapping, and armed robbery. What the fuck? How is he not in jail? So, I don't know. Maybe Somebody he, caught with maybe like three like, ounces of weed in jail. Maybe, yeah. Maybe he got bail. I don't know. Now, because of Arizona law, no one in the neighborhood knew what his previous crimes were when he moved in. So, no one knew that he was guilty of child molestation, kidnapping, and robbery. No one knew. Now, remember, he was heavily involved in the neighborhood watch, who were the um like let's go after the sex offender witch hunters and yet he was he was a sex offender he was a sex offender and he lived right near mckell god damn so d was questioned the night that mckell disappeared as were the rest of the neighbors but he had an alibi and his wife confirmed it he was watching football in his garage now neighbors noticed that a trailer that was usually in his front yard right behind his truck it was missing the night mckell went missing um but uh, they didn't find it, which is really unheard of for him because it was always in the front yard. Yeah. Um, they Later, they realized it was in a storage unit, but the police never searched it. They did search his house, but they never searched the storage unit or the trailer. Did they decide not to or did they just did not have, didn't have like, a warrant. reason enough to get a warrant? They didn't yeah. have a warrant. Damn it. Because they went through because they went through every single neighbor. And they're like, hey, can I look in your house just to make sure? And every neighbor said yes. But to go into a trailer and a storage unit, you need a warrant to yeah. do that. And they probably didn't even know the storage unit existed Isn't at that, that point. enough, though? Fuck. But they didn't know that he had a reason to be guilty yet. They didn't know he was a sex offender. They were just going... Oh, no, going... I'm saying when, when this all happens with that badass bitch calling 911. Oh, yeah. Well, after this happened, um, after his conviction for the assault with, in, with Susan, he became a lead for Mikkel's case. Okay, cool. That's when yeah. police... But this is two years after. Cool. This is when they were like, okay, we oh, need yeah, to start so looking at this Oh, yeah, so by then it could already be cleaned up and yeah, shit. Yeah, her body's gone yeah. by then. Um, now, however, D, he continued to deny his involvement, even though the police were like, it was most likely most yeah, likely you. you. He's like, it wasn't. Now, D was sentenced to over 100 years. I think it was like 167 years Good. for the assault for Susan. So fuck you, D, and go, Susan. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was sitting in jail for the rest of his life. Now, Tracy and Darian, or Darren, the parents of Mikkel, um, they were convinced that D is responsible for Mikkel's disappearance, obviously, like us. And they even started exchanging letters with him and arranged a meeting face to face because D wanted to and quote unquote make it right with their family. Yeah. So Cray. they went, they met him in prison, expecting a confession. But when they met him, he started denying everything. However, his behavior was pretty strange because he was showing the classic signs of lying, you know, the fidgeting, the no eye contact, the overstating general facts mm-hmm. overstating his alibi you know classic lying and uh, i guess the mother tracy she just looked into his eyes and she just knew to the depths of her soul Shit. this is the man who killed my daughter she just looked at him and said and just felt this is him like he 
was the last pair of eyes my daughter looked oh, into. Um, Darian felt the same way. Um, they left without closure because D just wouldn't give them the answers they wanted. Um, however, um, detectives, even though like there's all the circumstantial evidence, you know, D was a child molester. He was arrested for these horrible, horrible crimes against Susan. Um, detectives, they can't list him as a suspect because they don't really have real evidence. It's just all circumstantial. It's all like he was there, like wrong place, wrong time, yeah. pretty much. Um, to this day, D is still at the top of their list of leads, meaning they most likely believe it was him, but they can't name him an actual suspect because they don't have real reason to suspect yeah. him to be a suspect. Yeah, and it's hard to find DNA. Yeah, like uh, he was just there. He, did he even live in the cul-de-sac? He did. He lived a few, like, you know, right across the street, essentially. He lived right near where she was taken. So as years went on, the case was getting colder and colder and colder. Five years passed when the family decided it was time to have a funeral for her just to put her to rest because they knew mm. that she was gone and they had closure that Dee was most likely the one that took her life. Uh, family and friends gathered, gathered at her church and had a ceremony that focused on her empty casket. Um, this is the part that made me cry earlier a bunch. Her mom said that, that when they were loading the casket into the hearse to drive her to the cemetery, they noticed that doves were flying around them. And the doves followed them all the way to the gravesite, which is about six miles away. And the doves landed right next to her casket, right around the family, and stayed there the entire time while they held the ceremony. Oh, during the ceremony? And once she was buried, the doves left. Oh, that's so cute. So I cried for about five minutes hearing the mom explain this. Now, to this day, Mikkel's uh, disappearance is still unknown. There are no suspects in the case. The, there are obvious leads like D, but to this day, this case still goes unsolved. There is a Facebook page, which is called Justice for Mikkel Biggs, which you can go look at. So if you have any tips, her sister Kimber has a blog, and that uh, URL is um, kimberstransferofthoughts.blogspot.com. And that's where she writes letters to Mikkel and poems and her feelings Aww. about Mikkel's appearance. Um, so th there's uh, documentaries. There's all this stuff about so Mikkel's So she's in her 30s now. So, yeah, Mikkel would be in her 30s. Yeah, her 30s. Um, Kimber is in, like, her late 20s Yeah. Uh, to this day. But, yeah, to this day, Mikkel's still missing. Her family believes that Mikkel has passed and that she was killed. Um, but, you know, they still have hope and things like that. But they yeah. laid her to rest many years ago, back in the early 2000s. Shit. So anyways, <laughs> that's what I look at. True up. crime is sad and scary. Anyways, just like life. <laughs> Supernatural shit's just scary. I literally, like, I was watching this documentary and the mom was talking about the doves. That's, and I just sobbed. Yeah, I, like, held Toulouse's ashes and I sobbed. Because I was like, yeah. and like, because it, it was such a bittersweet moment. Exactly. Because that's the whole it's thing. It's sweet and sad. Because doves represent hope and peace. Uh -huh. And like. It's it's too coincidental for do for a group of doves to follow them six miles like specifically sit around. to that area. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like follow the hearse, sit down next to the casket, wait till the ceremony's over, and then fly away hours later. Like obviously, it was Mikkel telling them oh, I'm okay. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, fucked me up. That was my time oh. tonight. But yeah, so 
If you know anything, say something. You know, this is kind of like my human trafficking set, my human trafficking spooky scoops. That is so crazy. Sorry, y'all. Yeah, you know, some, like if you have a tip or any inkling of this case. Just pay attention to strange people. Yeah. Open your eyes yeah. and look around because this world's fucked up. And that's everybody. like a big thing even about like women ending up in bad situations. Hey, if it's something strange, like tell them they're strange and walk away. Yeah. Like, don't be afraid to, like, cause an awkward situation. Yeah. yeah. Consent. Yeah. <laughs> Which goes back to our, our original <laughs> the rant, monologue. like, 30 episodes ago. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, so that's my segment for today, everybody. Damn. So, anyways, Corey, how's your, how's your sex life? <laughs> my sex life. A lot has happened because we've been gone for two weeks. Yes, we were gone for two weeks. So, as I said earlier, I was just I was gonna have an, a quote unquote appointment of sex yes. before this. We refer to but Corey's he, hookups he lives as appointments. in Boise because I went to go visit my parents three weeks ago in Boise, and Grinder messed up and still thought I was in Boise for some random reason. Bitches, bitches, but it's okay. Um, he will visit Sandy soon, or like 30, 40 minutes away from me. So sex will happen with him later on. Huzzah! Huzzah! <laughs> <laughs> the gay gods are pleased. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so yeah, I went on a date. It was fun. Oh, yes. Yeah, we'll see what happens with that because it's Cause, a scruff date. Because millennials and Because millennials and gays and scruff. Um, we'll see what happens with that. We had fun sex, though. It was really good sex. Yay. Yeah, it was really fun. Got really turned on um, than I've been in the, pa- in the past few months with him, so it was awesome. Yes. Um... Yeah, other than that, I just have, like, wait, let me pull it up because I, I make notes so that I can remember things that happened. <laughs> you sound so organized than me where I'm like, whatever, life. I'll just start talking. No, I just don't remember. If I just start talking, I'll say, like, a third of what really happened. Um, also, apartments doing better. Huzzah. They super reacted to Chris, like, throwing his shit down and being like, hey, we're moving out if you don't deal with this shit because you've been ignoring us. Yes. And so they, like, they're 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 dealing with that. Things are going well. Oh, I saw, like, a ton of movies. Okay, so I'm going to go through this as quickly as possible, but I like to talk about movies. That's, like, half of what I talk about. Yes. Okay, so first, before I forget, I have started a Letterboxd, um, which is a basically, if y'all do books and do Goodreads, you know what Goodreads is? Nope. It's basically just, like, a, a Facebook for people who read books. Oh. And you just make a profile, and you say what books you've read, and you rate your books, and you can leave reviews other than just rating um you there's a something for movies it's called letterboxd and i have one if you want to follow me that's cool um it's c dewey it's just c dewey m and that's me it has a picture of me um in front of like the skyline in new york is it an app it's it it could be an app yes but it's just it's just basically letterboxd you just say what movies you've seen what movies you want to see and you rate them and you can also leave a review i'm 99 percent sure i have one yeah it has like the all backgrounds all black and then you just choose movies. I like it. It looks really sleek. So it's C doing M, C as in Corey, and then Dewey is my middle name. So it's D-E-W-E-Y, and then M as in Martin. So C doing M. There you go. Yes, Dad. Okay. So um, I saw Hell House, LLC. It came out in 2016. Okay. It's about these group of, like, late 20s kids who have lived in New York City their lives, and they've been doing various haunted houses in New York City. Fun. But then they oh. decide to move to cool. they decide to move their haunted houses to rural, a rural area to a place called Abaddon, which is funny because Abaddon is a lord of hell. Oh. Um, in Christian it. mythology, um, and so they buy this ha- this hotel, 
And while they're renovating it, you start to realize that things are going awry. Classic. And where like the climax of the haunted house is right before everyone exits is the basement of the hotel where when they get down there originally, there's like burnt Bibles and like satanic cool. symbols already etched cool. on the wall. It's really cool, guys. Like you sit there and you're like, okay, they're making a haunted house and you know, there's demons. They have these like three really scary clown dolls that start to move around and they like set it up really well. And you know, it's going to happen because they're like, Hey, these, this clown doll can't turn its head. Like it, it can't, but we need it to turn its head. So it works for our haunted house, you know, but then later on it turns its head and shit like that. Ah. And you have the whole thing where there's a strobe light down a hallway and they're trying to test the hallway, you know, before the opening night. Yeah. And so there's this one dude filming it. And as the strobe happens, an, uh, like another figure appears. That's the camera thing reminds yeah, you of that. Yeah, it's really it it you know what's gonna happen. It's super traditional and it's such a trope, but they do it really effectively. That's cool. Yeah, they just like make you deal with it. It's really good. That's Y'all fun. should really watch it. It's really good, guys. I just want to watch that scene. That sounds cool. Yeah, Shit. it's it's a creepy scene too. Oh, you sit there and you're like, ah, it's gonna happen. Ah, and it and does. Then it does, and it's like, ah. okay, that's like the Conjuring too. When she looks in the mirror, <gasps> turns around, yeah. looks in the mirror, turns around, looks in the mirror, boom. Yeah, you're like, when it's, it's Valak. Yeah, you're like, you know it's gonna happen, and James Wan knows you know it's knows exactly. that you know it's gonna happen. And they're just banging off. So of he that. tries to like you know subvert your expectations by like prolonging the prolonging because it's like, like off beat when it happens yeah, yeah yeah and that's what james wan's good at is doing off beats of your like expectations Ugh. oh god james wan fuck oh i just like clap so hard my microphone shook <laughs> same with my vagina <laughs> i'm shook it um so uh, then i saw possum which oh. is a film that a came out film. in 2018 or 2017 whatever um it's a very indie film um it is extremely disturbing y'all mm. It's possum with a P, not opossum, how like a real possum is spelled with O-P. You oh. Know? It's just okay. possum, P-O-S-S-U-M. Mm. It is a crazy ass story. It doesn't have much of a story. It's this very disturbed guy who has a doll. He makes like ventriloquist dolls. Ew. Dolls. And Ew. this doll is a gaunt white face of, a, of like a middle-aged male with its eyes open. Or with its Fuck mouth that. open and its eyes just looking straight at you. And the body of it is a spider. <gasps> fuck you. It's disturbing fuck as you. fuck. I'm um, scared. I He basically goes back to visit his, um, you know, home where he comes from. Like, and his parents are dead. Classic. You try to f- you figure out why they're dead. And then you figure out that his uncle or his grandpa, I forget which one, who lives there is involved with like another sinister plot that's going on in the background and it deals with abuse and mental illness and it's just disturbing as fuck. Nice. But it's really pretty. The shots are really pretty. The acting is great and the soundtrack is awesome. Is there any actor in it that we would be familiar with? Yes. Um, I will look him up really quickly. Um, let me look at this. It is Sean Harris. I recognize that name. So what he acted in is he is the main villain in the last two Mission Impossibles, I believe. He's also in Prometheus. Um, he's in Mission Impossible Rogue and Fallout. So 2015 and 2018 Mission Impossibles. But people re- will recognize him. This is what he looks like. I recognize him even though I actually haven't seen those last two Mission Impossibles. That's him. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, he's I so recognize him. He's so good in this acting as a weirdo. 
it is really y'all it's really disturbing it's one of those movies that you just feel icky for the rest of the day that those you're are awake. the fun ones yeah it's fun um the whole time is really fun because watching it with tyler and tyler's such a just like you know just like not wanting to be a disturbed person yeah, he's just yeah. such a nice person so he was like i don't want to know what happens but i want to know what happens <laughs> he's like i'm so uncomfy but i he's so like i want this sad. knowledge but i don't want this knowledge and uh, the same i was feeling the same i like, want it it's... but i don't that's a good movie then if it makes yeah. you feel that yeah no you are squirming the entire film that's a good movie yeah. that's like sinister for me uh-huh um, the only thing with this is, as I said, there really is barely a plot. And for most of the shots, you're like, what the fuck is going on? Okay. I like that. Like you just said, I sort of like the being like, I'm disturbed. What the fuck? I can watch one of those movies. Like the you plot know, is you being disturbed. Time. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I can watch like one or two of those films or one or one to like three of those films every year. Yeah. But too much of that I don't like. Yeah. 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 Um, but this was okay because I hadn't watched a film like this in a long time. But if nice. you don't, if you like horror and shit, but you don't want to be just like needlessly disturbed, then don't watch it. But if you're <laughs> interested, go watch it because the soundtrack is great. The shots are beautiful. The acting's awesome. And it, there's pretty – it's more disturbing than scary. Yeah. It's not like – it's not traditional horror. Well, yeah. it sounds like my type of movie. Yeah. Then I saw The Hole in the Ground, which came out last year – or this year. Okay. Um, it's a traditional horror film that involves um, – I, I can't say it because it'll give it away. Um, it involves a just like a uh, creature. It's a creature film. A creature but of Basically, the, the synopsis is some girl, some mom, and her boy – go live in the outskirts of Ireland. Nice. Um, and they, uh, the boy just starts to rebel against the mom a little bit because the dad left and he runs into the woods. She runs in to find him. But instead of finding him, she finds a sinkhole, like Ew. a large ass sinkhole, Ew. like the size of a building in the middle of the woods. Ew. And in the center of the sinkhole, it's not a hole, just like the the dirt is like churning it's just continuously moving Ew. and so she's like holy shit where is my son and she turns around and then the son is like hi mom i'm here it's me <gasps> fuck you son and then of course you know over the progression of the film she's like that's not my son Duh. so yeah uh it's really good I, I wouldn't say really good um it's a fun it, one it's a fun one it's good it's worth your time but it's not great that's, that's what like say. lala yorona yeah, like exactly. That. Yeah, I wouldn't. Oh my god, did you see that recent thing where some everyone went to go to, to Detective Pikachu, oh. and in the in the in one of the theaters where everyone went to go everyone went to go see De- Detective Pikachu, they played La Llorona accidentally. <gasps> so all these little kids saw La Llorona trailer. That, oh my god, the same thing <laughs> happened with the Conjuring. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Where like they accidentally played. That would be so. Of- weird. If I worked at a movie theater, I'd be like, bitches. You're like what? <laughs> <laughs> I'd get fired for it. You play like, like yeah. two girls one cop. You're like, how did that happen? <laughs> two girls. What? No, because then you go to jail because that's pornography. Fuck. Fuck. We can't show pornography. You're trying to tell me that La Llorona is not porn for the weirdos? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> that's crazy. If you're a kid though, and you watch like when if th- you're like you're like yay Pikachu, I'm gonna go see Pokemon, and then you see a girl like. Yeah, like for like my ninth or it was 1999 when the Pokemon movie. So my eighth birthday. I was four. It was like my my birthday party. We went to go see it. Oh, so fun. imagine I'm like my eighth birthday. We're all there, and then it's like, liar on You see like the mom skipping with her two sons oh, and her husband shit. in the meadow. Ugh. 
cuts oh, through yeah. the one thing because that's the opening scene. That's the opening scene, and then you see the mom run out. Oh, the opening okay. scene was good. The opening scene and the bathtub scene were good. the bathtub scene is so good. That's a good the hands like, and the set hair. Piece. Yeah, uh huh. That's good. We have to edit that out. That's no, that's fine. Alert. That's fine. They'll, they'll get over it. Um, so I just heard someone's caller, but she's not anywhere to be seen. I'm scared. <laughs> So um, the hole in the ground, go see it. It's pretty good. I would say it's worth your time. It's not to me. It wasn't super great, but the shots are really pretty and the acting is really good. Nice. But yeah, that's my sex life. Let's see my sex life. Jordan and I had um, awesome sex in Hawaii until my grandparents FaceTimed me during sex. And then I had to quickly remove Jordan out of my pussy. And were they in the temple? Yes. They were <laughs> in the temple. My grandparents at the temple and left us alone. So of Aww. course we went and drank pina coladas and no. had sex. And Wait, was, so you one got drunk and then had sex? Yes. Yeah. He was like pounding me doggy style and my grandma started FaceTiming me. So I had to, I was like, Jordan, get out of me. Then <laughs> get I like, out of me. And I pretended <laughs> I was taking a shower so I didn't have to answer her FaceTime and I texted her like 10 minutes after like the appropriate shower time and I was like hey grandma I'm sorry I was just in the shower she was like oh it's okay would you like to meet for dinner and I was like yeah that's fine we weren't doing anything bad <laughs> and then another time in Hawaii Jordan get out of me <laughs> I, I gave Jordan a epic hand job you know how yes. hand jobs aren't that exciting usually no, they're pretty mad they are not. I gave him an epic hand job Come everywhere, yes. celebratory Hawaii hand drop. It was yes. epic. Uh, we did that before paddleboarding one day, and then a family emergency happened. The rest of Hawaii was was fine. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is okay. Um, and then I went to California for a while, but when I came back from California, Jordan and I had wonderful reunion sex. Huzzah. Yes. And then today, I told him that I would talk shit about him on the podcast. Because today, he yelled at me because we were driving. And you know, like, potholes on the road? Yeah. I, like, hit one a little bit too hard. And he was like, what the fuck? You're going to ruin the car. And I was like, you don't even like cars. And we got into this whole fight. And I told him I'm going to talk shit about him on the podcast. So, Jordan, fuck you. (laughs) I love you. (laughs) But... Don't yell at me about about potholes in the road. Don't hit the pothole, Chana. Goddamn. Well, fuck you, Corey. I couldn't control it. I was going like 15. Every time I hit a pothole in my car, I'm like, fuck you, Corey. <laughs> I was going like 15 miles per hour, but it sounded so much more intense when I hit it. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, shit. I was like, I fucked up. Yeah. But yeah, that's, <laughs> that's my whole sex life. Great Yay. Hawaii sex, family Hawaii emergencies. Sex, family emergencies potholes. and potholes. Yeah. Classic. <laughs> class oh big news everybody i'm getting a new kitten this next week yeah so next time you hear from us i will already have the kitten her name's gonna be toast unless she hates us we'll choose a different kitten she is a two pounds barely she'll be two pounds on wednesday hopefully to get fixed that's so cute she's a nugget and she's going to be be a big sister someone's gonna be a big sister and or mom and or mom whichever she prefers Mm -hmm. and then uh cory and i will have an interesting time recording a podcast with the baby kitten in here cute um, so yeah, will, that will will toast be in here? I'll will probably put her in her bathroom. Room? Yeah, okay. this is her room. Okay, I'm going to add like a little yurt for her and uh-huh. a hammock and shit for her in here. Oh my god, can she be here during the podcast? <laughs> She's going to be about this big, but she can be definitely around. Maybe she will be a distraction. We have to be careful though, because yeah, she'll be distracted. But kittens Can't are very use. delicate. But yeah, that's my whole life right now. Is oh. Simone is okay? I'm okay. We're getting toast. Good sex. Fuck you, Jordan. But I love you. Just kidding. You're great. That's and movies. It. And movies. And Zach I would Efron's say out butt. of those movies we said, what would you say? 
I mean, I guess you've only seen the Zac Efron movie. The Zac Efron movie. Okay, I would so say what, out what, of those four. What would you say is your favorite movie out of those four? Out of those four, I would say Hell House. Okay. It was very surprising. It's very simple, and you expect what's like. I was like, this is going to happen, then this is going to happen, and this is going to happen. And it happened, but I was still like, scared. Oh, that's cool. Like, I was cool. still spooked. So what's your least favorite out of the four? What? Yeah, Probably the hole in the ground. Okay. I would say the hole in the ground only because it is very traditional. It's a little slow and not much happens, but it's still really beautiful. Nice. Yeah. I would say it's worth watching because it's free on Amazon right now. <laughs> anyways yeah so that's our whole sex life so anyways we'll we probably edit the entire fucking, that part was out. another 20 minutes that was a literal other tw- okay so we'll probably edit the entire game of thrones part because it's too spoilery anyways this is talking i'll just yeah we'll just put that in patreon so so patreon yeah. cory other than movies game of thrones whether or not you're hearing that or not everything i will leave that part in even if i edited the whole part everyone's like what (laughs) go to pay spend a dollar bitch spend a dollar and you can hear us rant for like a hundred minutes about Jon snow and khaleesi and about feminism and gays yeah about sociopolitical values in in game of thrones but also dragons but also dragons too and how you treat dragons but that being said, um, so send us your scary stories, funny stories, whatever stories. Oh, please, y'all. I fucking love that. That's my favorite part of, like, that's, it's like my favorite gem of life. Yeah. Like, no joke. Totally. My favorite gem of existence is when you're sitting with a group of people, half you know, half you don't know, and then somebody start is like, hey, so this one time, like. <laughs> And then, and, totally. then, and then you can just feel the air around you get denser. Yeah. And then for the next hour, everybody's sharing scare, sh- scary shit. It's, it's a, like my favorite gem of life. It's a good time. It keeps me going. So like ke- literally keeps me going. So keep us going by sending it to us. Yeah. We love you guys. Love so, you. Anyways. <laughs> so anyways, after all that. <laughs> anyways. How's your redo? <laughs> So anyways, how's your sex life? Uh, Bye, guys. See you next week.